Been around the world twice, talked to everyone once. Seen two whales fuck, been to three world fairs. And I even know a man in Thailand with a wooden cock. A push more Peter, more sweeter, and more completer than any other Peter pusher around. I'm a hard-bodied, hairy-chested, rootin', tootin', shootin', parachutin', demolition, double-cap, crimpin' frogman. There ain't nothing I can't do, no sky too high, no sea too rough, no muff too tough. Learned a lot of lessons in my life. Never shoot a large-caliber man with a small-caliber bullet. Drive all kinds of trucks. Two buys, four buys, six buys. Those big motherfuckers that bend and go when you step on the brakes. Anything in life worth doing is worth overdoing. Moderation's for cowards. I'm a lover, I'm a fighter. I'm a UDT Navy SEAL diver. I'll wine, dine, intertwine, then sneak out the back door when the refueling is done. So if you're feeling froggy, then you better jump because this frogman's been there, done that, and is going back for more. Cheers, boys. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 64 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Riverside Dodge, the official truck sponsor and dealership of the show, as well as Hooked Up Enterprises as the official in-arena gear of the NFP podcast, and Wrangler, the official clothing sponsor of the show. Wrangler, long live the Cowboys. Once again, can't forget our newest one, Zara Lake Bolarama, ladies and gentlemen. And I made a mistake. We'll get we'll get to it right off the hop. You can't buy tickets in advance for Zara Lake Bolarama. You got to buy them at the door. So show up, get there early, and get your tickets. You can't get anything in advance. I've been informed. So don't go buy your tickets yet because you can't before we get to everything no let's get to the boys again jason davidson you're a fucking world traveler all over the place buddy what's going on in your world just got back home lt just back home just a quick trip out to the west coast to watch a little hockey in vancouver last night thanks to WestJet, who isn't a sponsor yet for getting <laughs> us there and back without too much hassle so you're good how was it how was the game you got some guys playing or what yeah, good game. Yeah. Um, yeah, three guys out there playing Stevenson, Juleson, and Bear. So yeah, it was good. Hey, there's a phone call. Scott like Bird's back. What's up, buddy? How's things? What's going down? I'm great. Just got back from Olds on the weekend, went and watched Braden's uh college rodeo. Took uh, another family out there from here. Their girl signed with the team. So recruiting is uh, recruiting season must be full underway. So uh, how's the drive? It was great. Well, actually, Sunday was even better because I just sat in the back seat and drank all the way. Hey, Ooh, like Tanner. There you that go. must be a burn thing. Now you're thinking. Um, okay, but there's a couple dissimilarities to me and Tanner. One is I stayed awake the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, I had like three drinks, not 33 drinks. I hey, don't hey, hey. <laughs> you, no, you didn't. There's one oh, left. No. I found it. I found it. <laughs> Good. Yeah. That one. That might have been the one that broke the camel's, camel's back. back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say that back was fractured about Rosetown. So what happened, Scott? Just kept her going from the night before, or what? I uh, actually got up Sunday morning, and Tanner Gerlitz, who was the assistant coach there, his kids were really sick, and his wife had to go to Calgary, and so I ended up. Um, I ended up shoot Boston and running into some good old friends, Billy Richards, uh, Corky, Dustin Thompson, um, yep. Tyler, Tyler Craft, Tyler Thompson. They were both picking up there. Oh man. I haven't laughed that hard. And, <laughs> did like, you guys gamble on the, did you guys do your 20 bucks in to see who's going to win the rough stock events? 
No. Did you ever get in on that at Calgary? Oh yeah. No. We do I it at the CFR too. That's good. Did you? Makes it, yeah, it makes it interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've ever won. Who's the ringleader? Is that Billy? Billy Richards, the ringleader on that usually? Uh, no, Corky usually is is, is, is always keeping people together doing it. Yeah, normally. But I think it's kind of a group thing. Everybody that's around at that time. Yeah. So uh, Dylan and, and and Rudy, who came with us, who was looking at the college, they walked up and Billy and I were standing there laughing about something. I don't know what it was. doesn't matter. Everything is funny. But he says to Dylan and Rudy, he says, where are you from? And Rudy says, Manitoba. And Billy, you know, so quick-witted, but just dry. He's like, hmm, well, that's a big place. He's like, he's like, yeah, yeah we're, he's like, do you want to narrow it down a little bit? And those kids didn't have a clue. They're just like, yeah, it is a big place. And he's uh, like, oh, fuck, did we laugh? Anyway, it was a good weekend for sure. So Great you ended up shoot bossing too, didn't you? Yeah, on Sunday, I was shoot bossing. And uh, did you get hired for Calgary after that? No, you know, I wasn't taking, uh, I wasn't looking for a job. Put it to you that way. So. Oh, I hear there. I hear there might be some new openings in a few positions. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. if there was one there. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't know. I didn't inquire. I didn't inquire, but uh, it was fun. I tell you, it's good to see those guys again. I tell you, like, uh, like the world champ Cody Snyder told me when I was a young lad. He said everybody can be replaced. You bet. Yeah, yep. the show will go on. The show will go on. This yep. is true. This mm-hmm. is true. So did you talk to uh Turkey? Speaking of him, let's get into that tiger. Yeah. Just now known as the uh hired on as the rodeo administrator of the Canadian Pro Rodeo. Yeah, we actually talked about it as soon as I had got there. So I was kind of in the know before it was to the public. But uh yeah, he's excited. He's got some good ideas. And um, like you said, I got broad shoulders. I can take it, you know. Gonna need him. I think he's, um, I know, you know, I think he's got a vision. So we'll see how it all plays out, you know, young and fresh. What is the, for myself and uh, for uh, a lot of novice listeners, what does the rodeo administrator do? What's the, what's the job there behind that title of that? Because I know that they have a GM, they have a president. Um, So what is the administrator? What's that job? Well, in, in a nutshell, basically what he said is he'll um, he'll be in charge of dealing with all the separate rodeos, you know, keeping everybody, getting everybody signed up properly, I guess you could say, and all the details with each rodeo. But I think his job will go a little further than that, you know, as time goes on. So we'll see. What is it? What, Jason? Do you want that job? Look after, I got to look after 35 to 40 bull riders a year. I couldn't <laughs> even imagine Tanner, I oh, wish the you the best of luck. If you need some counseling, give me a call. <laughs> it'll be a real quick, it'll be a real quick sermon though. I did. I sent him a text today. I was a little late to the party um, traveling yesterday and I saw everything. It might even actually have been out Monday night, right? Yeah. Yeah. I anyway, I sent him a text today. So he got right back to me and he did mention he had broad shoulders too. And I'm like, puff him out, buddy. <laughs> Broad shoulders and a good set of turkey tits. <laughs> <laughs> Take a look. Um, okay, well, let's hop right into things here now, guys. I think the biggest news within the rodeo world, which I'm sure we've all 
seen if you follow the cowboy channel or if you're on social media of any sort that follows anything to do with western lifestyle was the houston rodeo and probably first off great rodeo it was great watching um the bo cooper incident so i'll break it down first of all for maybe people that didn't see it but bo cooper is a canadian calf roper made it back to the final four round show shootout round had to be eight point less than 8.9 in the in the final round to win the whole Houston rodeo and was 8.5 looks back thought it was all good and then ends up getting a call that he had broke the barrier after replay and after watching it back a whole bunch of times uh people on social media and everybody that was not there at the rodeo or not there at that time realized that he really did not break the barrier and there was a malfunction at the barrier uh, but nothing could be done about it is what we're kind of finding out about it. So did you guys see it all, Scott? Did you did you get to tune into all that and get the the drama that was going on there? I di- I didn't see it as it really as it happened. I caught it later on, but <clears throat> it's very evident that there was a malfunction, and which takes us back to what we've talked about a lot before is that we need replay in a professional sport like rodeo. That would have yes. been easy to fix. Easy yes. to fix right there. Absolutely. You and know you know, yeah, Same with sorry. the rough stock on that spur out rule. Same yeah. thing. Same thing. And maybe not every rodeo, but anything that's going to pay you what more than what a go round at the NFR. So that would be a handful of rodeos only. But that's a lot of money. That's That could cost this kid going to the NFR. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately a world championship it really could yeah yeah they need you know they also we talk about the challenge button that we use in the pbr or whatever have that as well as like our judges can there doesn't need to be a challenge button push they can actually if they question themselves they can go correct review it so um i agree with you um certain level of money added or total prize money yeah it should be in there when there's that much at stake it's just it's embarrassing man it's embarrassing that 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 happened really i think it's just wow really you know yeah i've seen a few different mindsets and little you know posts about it and the one is like how how can you miss a call or how do you make a call like that right at at the biggest rodeo which is which is fair but then I seen another one on the other side of it was you know um I think it was Speed Williams actually that put it on there and it was his daughter had won the breakaway roping um but he was saying too like if you're that judge and after two hundred some runs and then the barrier makes uh it does something like that the one time and if you make that call and it's the wrong call then you're really going to fucking get it, right? So it's it seems easy when we can look back and we can watch it, and it's like, how do you not make that call? But when everything's happening so fast in that split second, which right at the barrier, I think it like malfunctioned, and you have to make the call that it malfunctioned, right? You don't have that the ability to to watch it in slow-mo because like, we don't have replay and all that stuff. So if you're going to make that call, you got to be damn well sure that you make that call, right? He makes that call, and he's wrong. Then that kid wins Houston, and the guy that you know didn't, there that did win it he loses it right so it's kind of a it's a catch-22 and and i when i brought it up the first thing i thought of was what we've been talking about on this podcast since we started it is replay it's easy right it's and everybody talks about production 
but you look at the PBR and the PBR Canada, it really adds to the production, right? It adds a little bit of drama. Sure it does. People like it. They have to go back and then it's a big fucking cheer when, when it goes the right way or there's a big boo when it doesn't go the right way. And there was another added aspect too was uh, even if, you know, with the NFR and stuff where they run things off so fast afterwards, right? Go back and do it afterwards and then make the call after the rodeo is done. You know, you have an hour after the rodeo or whatever it is to to do it. You know, if it's production that they're worried about, then you go back and make that call. So I think it's it's fucked up. He's a Canadian kid, and like you said, that's huge. That's he went from like fifty thousand to five thousand, right? Here's the, here's the deal, though. Even if even in that case, if he has, if there's instant replay, they they say okay, rerun. There's no guarantees he's going to have the run he had in the first place. But at least, at least. He gets a shot at it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And I don't think it's a rerun. If the barrier malfunctions, is it not just it? It just doesn't. You don't well, get the penalty. If you look at the the images, he was clearly out, and then yeah. that should eliminate there having to be a rerun. I guess in that case, yes. But again, draw up some rules on it. Put it in the rule book. If yeah. there's a replay, or if a judge feels there may be a malfunction and wants to go back and look at something, yeah. And it wasn't within like two days that the IPRA announced that they're going to have replay at their finals. Um, oh, no kidding. Yeah. And then uh, there was some posts about how that's why you have a WCRA rodeo instead of a PRCA rodeo due to the fact of replay. There was other posts of 20,000. Does WCRA 000. have, have replay? Replay. Yeah. Yeah. $20,000, uh, like you were saying, Jason, but $20,000 added or more has replay as part of their as part of their cost what to do it so yeah it sucks man this poor freaking kid and he had a he had a post about it that you know he was running out of money and da 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 da, da just like most young rodeo competitors like all of us are <laughs> yeah right? right and so not only the the fact that it bumps him closer to the nfr like you say a world title also just the the getting down the road aspect of it and then there was also a, a gofundme page that somebody started in uh for for Bo and um so Bo I think it's Bo's mom and uh Zeke Thurston's mom Linda I think they're sisters and um so him and Zeke are cousins so Zeke's been really adamant about this on social media and stuff too and Cody Old jumped in there which is pretty pretty cool he has no filter <laughs> that guy on there he said so he's quit drinking here for the last little while since he got sick he's been he's been um sober and after the PRCA put out their rebuttal or whatever it would be called of, of why why it happened that way and how the rule states it <laughs> he posted back he's like i used to make up fucking statements like this too but i was drunk god damn it <laughs> uh, we might have to get cody is cody still in the buck and bull business i haven't seen him around for a long time i don't know he had some for a bit there but i don't mm-hmm. know if he's got him anymore but anyway so um they put out this GoFundMe and Linda right away put up that, you know, this wasn't in Bo's wishes to have a GoFundMe. He doesn't want the handouts from it. She, I think she put on there, he'll just go win the first round at Austin now, which is on right now. Um, So Bo actually being the little cowboy way that, that we all are, there was a kid that was in a wreck in Oregon, bad uh, car accident. And he said, if you want to keep donating to this GoFundMe, you go ahead and all that money is going to go to that kid for his medical bills and to his family. So, that's pretty pretty cool of him. So for a young guy, he's handling it handling it really well as as best as you could. Getting getting fucked at 
one of the biggest rodeos in the world. Yeah, that's good for him. Some good news. Our Canadian Jeremy Bueller takes the win in the team roping. Pretty cool to see. Scott, do you get to see him at all with, with Braden team roping and stuff like that? Are you ever around him? Well, yeah, yeah. He comes up every spring here and puts on a clinic at uh, my brother-in-law, Kyle Delgleish's place there, just up the road. So we spend three or four couple days together anyways or try to. And Man, I enjoy the the shit out of him he's a good guy and his and his wife katie she's awesome too i call i call uh i call uncle katie and auntie jerry <laughs> <laughs> but uh no he's he's a salt of the earth guy he and can teach now like teach these young kids man that's that's what's cool to watch you know so and obviously can rope a steer to himself so he'll yeah. steer to himself so yeah that's Bro. exciting good for them I think yeah, does that not put him like number one in the world right now or something? I think I read like I everybody, anybody, that, anybody won that. that won Houston moved to to number one in the world. So nice. yeah, pretty solid, including Kai Hamilton, three mm-hmm. D bow riding athlete. Funny. Yeah, he's on a roll right now, looking really good. Kai kind of got roughed up there at the end, but uh, looking good, riding better than than he probably ever has right now. I think. Hey, Jason, hat yes, down sir. too, hat down yeah. too. What do you think, Roland? Well, whatever works. Whatever works. He's had a few bum, uh, bumps on the noggin, though. But, yeah, it's working for him. I think, didn't he go six for seven? What's six won, for seven? Yeah, and he bucked in off in the four round, which they all bucked off. And then he yeah. won, the, won the second four round. But he won every round he was in, I think. Yeah. And then uh, him and his traveling partner, Stetson, went to Austin. And Kai drew a bucker. Real good bull and got bucked down. And. Stetson had a couple of dinks, actually. Um, anyway, zeros for both of them. Did you notice at Austin that there's no sponsor banners? Both Same fighters. Houston. Is Houston the same way? Yeah. So a production guy, do you know what what's why that is? What's behind that? They just fund themselves, no sponsor dollars or what? Yeah, I guess so. It must it has to be. It has to be. Um, it's like the NFR too. There's no sponsors on the shoots. So well. Well, one, <laughs> one Wrangler, yeah. Wrangler, and that's the, yeah. and yeah, there's two sponsors. I guess the, it's the Teton Wrangler yeah. NFR presented by Teton. Yeah, but Teton, I don't know. Did Teton have anything on the shoots? I cannot remember. I I don't think so. I don't know I, what they did at the NFR. Maybe on the outgate. Maybe. Yeah, they must just. Uh, I guess if it, I don't know if it's funded by the gov, like the state. Or if they just sell that many tickets that they don't feel they need to um, deal with that in the arena. Yeah, Jeez, that's kind of cool. That. Do you see that, Scott? Do you notice that? It is. Yeah. yeah. On the bullfight, like, you know, for people that don't maybe pay attention to that stuff, you go to normal bull ridings or rodeos, and it's all the sponsors on banners all around the arena. And then the shoots have different logos on them for different companies. Um, you know, you see – at you know our cup events all the different sponsors that are a part of it and then the bullfighters have their own sponsor a lot of the times and it's ways for communities to fund the rodeos or these bull ridings that they're having and and uh yeah austin i guess houston too it's just every shoot this is austin rodeo with the logo every panel mm-hmm. around the arena austin and then the bullfighters oh, that's pretty cool i can tell you i don't want to try it we oh. are i know that <laughs> this nfp everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah uh, we'll be starting to go fund me yeah <laughs> yeah it'll have we'll have to definitely change nfp it'll be like uh 
hope we're not broke or something. Hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or we we are broke. W-A-R-B. <laughs> oh, good. And then uh, Leighton Barry needs another shout out too. This guy won the San Antonio Rodeo as well as Houston. So two of the biggest rodeos of the year jumps out there. Number one in the world. Um, younger guy at the NFR last year and he was at the CFR and um, that's pretty big on, on the year to have those two wins under your belt just in general in a career let alone in, in one year back to back weekend so I'm, pretty badass I, I'm sure it was him they interviewed at the NFR last year just as a fun thing they're like what are you scared of I think it was one of the questions they were asking all those guys and they got to him and they're like so what are you scared of and he goes well, I hate to disappoint you but I'm not scared of anything <laughs> nice I'm like, answer Good answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Not really scared of anything. Okay, uh, before we get into the American, where Jason can uh, stroke off Stetson right a little bit here, I am going to do an ad read for Riverside Dodge. (laughs) That wasn't fucking slid that in nicely there, didn't you? (laughs) Oh, it's funny. No, uh, I'm glad true. you found it, huh? That's good. It's true. You should. He did good there. He did pretty good. Oh, no, I agree. Just I agree. Just okay, just, let me get this I, out. It's not easy first. representing the best, Tanner. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not. Okay. I got to take all these calls from these sponsors that want a piece of them. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be him. Yeah, it's tough. It ain't easy, man. Up sledding. Life in the yeah. fast lane. Yeah. yeah. First world problems right yeah. there. Yeah. Do you put a cowboy hat? Do you put a cowboy hat on late at night and airbuck around the your front <laughs> no, room? Pretend no, you're past that. I, I did that. I did that ten years ago, but I'm, you know, I'm pushing fifty now, so it's getting harder to do. <laughs> Look, Twyla, I'm Stetson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna? Are we gonna start? Do we do we want to start talking rodeo secretary stories here now or what? Or is this gonna is this just gonna be an all out bashing today? No, we're good. Do you guys really want to get into this one with me? No, Both I don't. Both of you, I don't. We're good. We're good. Both of you, really? Because I'm I'm ready. I'm game on here. That was a good one. Though. That was good. What was it? Was it Mel Highland that they had the video of him fucking bucking along with? Uh, was Mel Highland the legendary bronc rider? Yeah, yeah. They had a video mm-hmm. when um when uh, the Wanchuk kid was riding and he was fucking having like a seizure in the chair. He just fucking yep. riding along. That's pretty cool. Okay, yeah. let me get this ad read before you guys come to blows here. Riverside Dodge in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan is home of the award-winning Ram truck. They are the brand you trust to haul a trailer load of rank bulls along with your crew up front in the cab. Whether you want to go check fences or tailgate outside the next PBR event, the boys at Riverside Dodge have the right truck for you. Riverside Dodge is not only the dealer of choice in northern Saskatchewan, but also sells and services all across western Canada. Go see Ty and the gang at Riverside Dodge for a fair, no-bullshit deal on your next truck. Tell them Tanner, Jason, or Scott sent you. Riverside Dodge of Prince Albert is the official truck dealership and sponsor for the NFB Guys, Scotty, to get your deaf lined out, you learned the hard way. You don't fill the deaf up all the way in the cold. Yeah, I did. Got her good to go. But I tell you, I <clears throat> phoned Ty and he was uh, on it right away. So it was all good. Got her going. Okay, Jason, uh, you lead it off for us here. Which we were giving you a hard time, but it's it's fucking fair. So Stetson. Sets the record, becomes the first to win two events at the American. We talked on an earlier podcast that he might not even be going to the American due to the fact that it wasn't sanctioned for the PR with the PRCA. 
for his bank account. I'm glad that he did go. Ends up taking them both. But uh, give us the rundown. What does Stetson say about the whole deal at the American? What's your thoughts? Went good? What's up? Well, uh, he just about didn't go, number one. So I don't think I don't think he committed to going until Sunday or Monday prior. A um, couple of reasons. He was hurt. Uh, two, it doesn't count. Um, it does count to the bank account. So in hindsight, it was a it was a hell of a move. Um, I imagine he'd like to save those two rides for Rodeo Houston, <laughs> you know. But uh, no, it's, it's good. It it, you know what? It's it's the politics of rodeo, right? Um, there'll always be that shit going on. Um, and will it be approved next year? I don't know. I have no idea. But again. I think they only counted half of it last year, right? 50 towards the standings, yep. which I, I I don't know. It doesn't matter to me, but I think that should be a point system. There should be a point system. Um, you know, the PBR has always done and ran scenarios where they can enter stuff in a computer and, and figure out how they're going to do the point system if, or if it's going to be money one, because once upon a time, it was money that got you to Las Vegas for yep. the PBR finals, right? And yep. then Calgary changed that because there's so much money won at Calgary with the round. You'd win 125000 You'd go in there in the top 10 just from your Calgary Stampede yep. appearance. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say on it. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not too worried about the kid. He's going to make it in two events regardless, you know, unless uh, something happened to him health-wise. But when you're throwing that much money, you got to play some catch-up in Las Vegas when you're behind by fifty dollars or $100,000 from one single rodeo. I don't care who you are. What did he win total out of the American? You know what? That was my only text to him after congrats. And what did you win out of there? And he texted me back. I'm not even sure with the smiley laughing face emoji. (laughs) You don't even know. I don't know. So I don't know if you get anything in the 10 round or not. I don't know. I would 200,000 for sure. Was it 220? I don't know. More than I made that day. I know that. They had, it they was Sunday, which the is all day rest, right? Sunday fun day, buddy. But I, did, that's, I think that's I a asked, good Sunday, not Sunday scary. That's a good Sunday fun day. Yeah, I asked, uh, I asked um, Stetson's bum Shree if there was anything for the all around besides the trinkets, and she didn't know either. I don't know. I'll I'll get it out of him here one of these days when I think about it. If we're talking, I can ask him. I think they just made imagine? that up. I think they just after the all around. Done, yeah, and he won two events. They're like, oh, and he's the all around champion too. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I know. I know. Kaiki hung around there last year. I was there last year. Kaiki stayed to get his check, and they wrote him a check for they what, wrote him one a check. point one point two, some fucking million two, dollars. Two 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 million dollars because it was uh, went over from carried over. Holy yes. Fuck. Yeah. How about winning six hundred thousand breakaway rope? Can you imagine that? Oh my god! Yeah, good for her. <laughs> I met her. The, I met her at the National Finals Rodeo. Lovely lady, um, really nice lady, um, very professional, very grounded. Um, had a good visit with her actually, um, and I didn't even know who she was. Like I, I had no idea. I didn't. I don't follow it too closely. I know we have uh, the Bosley um, yep. gal that ropes good. Um, but 
and the only reason I know that is in 2020 when when the Cowboy Channel started, we had nothing really to do in Canada but watch TV because we couldn't go anywhere. Um, I followed it a little bit, but um, yeah, I didn't I didn't even realize who I was talking to until Brandon Bates at the end said like, "This is like the god the goddess of the breakaway ropers right here." I'm like, "Oh well, perfect. Pleasure to meet you, Jackie Crawford." Right? Is your name? Yep. Yeah. And JJ yeah. Hampton. You see that she's like she's the older lady. Fuck, she's funny. She's uh, there's a couple of interviews of her. She the intense about. one. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like I didn't. I thought she was fucking tweaking on something when she backed in the box. She's got her mouth going, a tongue out. She's she wearing a blue felt too. Like a purple felt, I think. Yeah. Okay. You know who she yeah. reminds me of? Ronnie Kitchens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, Jesus, <laughs> don't don't say that. You know who she reminds me of? The guy at Saint Tite. He's retired now. The guy in the in the pickup race at Saint Tite. He was. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's who I was thinking about. I'm like, if these two have kids, because they're about the same age. If yeah. they had kids, could you imagine the intense the intensity that that child would bring to whatever he did or she did yeah yeah they'd have a little boy named ronnie kitchens it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, actually been entertaining the, the breakaway roping okay I'd do you want to okay you want my take roping. on the breakaway roping yeah I I'm, here, here it comes my... here comes the hate mail for you tanner Let's it's go. gonna swallow up calf roping in the next five years Six yeah. years tops. This yeah. due to the fact of the animal part of it that it's not that as and, intrusive and on a calf. If you if you do an interview or an interview, sorry, if you do a um, a poll, barrel racing is always in the top three events of rodeo from a fan's point Jesus. of view. Yeah, well, horse so racing. Yeah, just exactly. Everybody loves a horse race. They love the ladies. You know, that's my write that down. Because I always forget that stuff, but let's talk about this in five years. Well, it'll be recorded on this pod, so. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, calf ropers, nothing against you guys. Uh, what else did we have from the American? Or I guess today, we can get to that too. Uh, Casey Field becomes the, I don't know how many of them did it. I think there might be only two of them that have won it three times. He's the uh, three-time American champion. Six-time world champion, and he joined us the week following his win. So we did this interview with him last week. So it was still fresh in his mind, the American. We had a good chat about that. But what an interview with this guy that we got coming up here. Just a stand-up guy, a true professional. One of the nicest guys, too, yeah. you know, in the locker room and in the arena. Obviously, future Hall of Famer. Great guy. What do you guys think of this uh, this interview with Casey? He's a role model, I think, not even for young bareback riders, but for, for any um western lifestyle athlete i think he uh he's definitely um somebody you want to try to be like if if you're starting out in this business or growing up wanting to be a cowboy i think casey field should be one of the one of the athletes that you strive to be and try to be better than that guy because if you can be better than casey field you're gonna have a very successful career yeah good luck yeah (laughs) i i I, yeah right he's a generational talent is what he is right for sure i have nothing to say on that because all you got to do is listen to the podcast and you'll know because yep. it was great i could have i could have talked for another two hours with them easy yeah um, yeah i agree i agree that, that conversation that we had was oh, unreal and like i told you guys after you know even when you see how much his dad played a role in his life in this interview it, it it'll it almost choked what well, almost choked me up there a couple of times just it's so cool that's who that's how it's supposed to be. Do you know what I mean? So you know, uh, I brought up um, 
um, in the pod with Casey about my mom and dad were at the 1985 national finals rodeo in Las Vegas. That was when it, the, the very first um, Las Vegas uh, NFR, when it moved from Oklahoma city and they brought home the program. And I remember going through that as a kid, we all did that. And I yeah. guarantee anybody that's, that's rodeoed or been in this, this industry for a long time, when you were young, if you could get your hands on a program and look through the names and the pictures and whatnot, like you, you remember that. And I remember his dad, Louie being the all around guy and the bareback in the saddle bronc. There was the Dave Appleton era, Joe Beaver. And you look in case he brings it up, you look what those guys accomplished in their careers. They're, they're the icons today. You know, they're, they're doing the TV, they're doing the color. Yeah, they paved the way. You, you mentioned Speed Williams, his daughter winning. Look, look at the generational talent yep. in that young lady winning, and and where Casey is today, um, following in his father's footsteps. So I think every athlete that's been to the NFR in the last thirty-five, well, I guess forty years, whatever it's been, thirty-five years, thank those guys because they paved the way. They were yep. the original. They were the OG stars of Las Vegas when. Uh, when they got the NFR there in 1985. Yeah. And it takes those guys to continue that sort of stuff, right? Like your big guys, like, like and your dad Tanner. That's yeah. I remember. I remember seeing those pictures and Cody Snyder in Las Vegas. Like that's where it started for me looking at those programs, wanting to be like that hundred percent. We used to have the CCA finals programs, like fucking 20 years of the damn things. And I remember just living on those, going through them and looking at the guys and their earnings on the year and all that. Right. Those oh, they'd be programs. big earnings in those programs. Yeah, too, right? that big ones in those ones, but Qualified cool the 10 spot with $993. <laughs> yeah. And I brought it up too in the pod with Casey, but the day that was my, it was the inaugural American. And it was my, one of my first times like getting to go down there before I was, on the main PBR tour and all that stuff. I qualified through a touring pro to be at the American for the million for the million dollars. And it was the year that we talk about where they do the did the tribute. Louis had just passed away, Casey's dad. And they did that tribute to him on the stage in Arlington in Cowboy Stadium. And still to this day, there was I can remember every freaking minute of it. It was the coolest tribute that I ever seen. They put a his saddle out there, and everybody that qualified, everybody that was opening gates, back pens, every single person that was a part of it walked up on that stage and uh, put a white rose on his saddle, and they did this the big tribute to him. And I honestly, you know, I was young and I didn't know really the the story or the legend of Louis Field at that time. And then obviously years later learning more and, and then getting to know everybody and, and looking back on that, that was fucking, that was pretty epic what they, what they did there for, for Louis. And we talk about that in the pod. Yeah. You know, you've made a mark on the industry in life. If that kind of stuff happens. If they're you. honoring you at, at the American. Hey, yeah. did Louis, Louis went back to the, to the NFR as a pickup man too, right? Boy, got me there. That's a good question. Um, I know he was a rodeo contractor as well. Like they had their own rodeo company. Yeah. Um, I have did. to look into that. I think because I remember Tim O'Connell was talking about it. Oh, uh, lots. You know, guys that maybe switch events or change things. We were talking about me going from riding bulls to bullfighting, and he was saying that Louis Field was one of the only ones that he knew of that that went back like to the highest level, right? Like right. rode at the NFR World Championship, and then I think went back 
as a pickup man. But I'll try to look into that and confirm that. But well, we uh, what we, we only have one in Canada, Tyler Thompson, Canadian champion yeah. bull rider, and selected. But I don't think there's anybody else. Oh, Wayne Bold. Yes. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne would have right. Yeah, Wayne Winston. Wayne I think Winston picked up at the Canadian finals. Wayne picked up at the national finals. Wayne did. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 Road and picked up. Yep. Not not at the same time. Although he, he was did that them all. Good. He could have. <laughs> bet you Wayne could have been the day. Yeah. And if he couldn't, a scruffy would have. Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Let's get to an ad read here, boys. For sure, we should get hooked up for the biggest moments under the brightest lights in the biggest situations. Get hooked up. Hooked Up Enterprises is a creative partner for Western Sports and Beyond, providing customized arena wear for some of the rodeo's most elite athletes and state-of-the-art arena wrap display products for some of Western Sports' most prestigious events. They're the official in-arena gear of the NFB podcast. Find out more at www.get-hookedup.com or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Stand up, stand out, and stay hooked. Scott, did you get us some uh, hooked up jerseys uh, lined out for our sponsorship for the uh, Canadian High School Finals? Or is that public or what? Uh, no, I haven't got to work on that yet, but it will happen for sure. Yep, yeah, it'll be all ready to go. I got to get in touch with him um sooner than later i know you did i know you got some cool shit to show i uh, is that public yet oh yeah yeah that's public well it's gonna be public but yeah i got some cool new jerseys coming here some personal ones then a couple for a couple different events we got going on so brent's been brent's been hooking it up he's solid that guy you just send him i just sent him i well i could yeah i have a jersey coming that's kind of in honor of my father so i sent brent a picture of my dad in his pink and white outfit from the 80s and he just whipped up the hey, new go. slash old style one same picture that made me want to do it there you go right for the program right for yeah. the program baby yeah <laughs> cpra used to do an excellent job every year with their like what we've done with the pbr with the yearbook and they don't do it anymore you know um i remember it was the last years it probably would have been done would have been i was just starting yeah, so what is that? 93 ish. <laughs> so 94, 95 would have been one of the last years. Joe Young Jr. <clears throat> I don't know if any of you guys remember that name. He was a bull rider like, um, oh, back Quentin Lowry. He'd be a little bit older than Quentin Lowry. He he was there last weekend as well. Forgot about was him. he? Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I haven't seen Joe Young in a long time. He was a character, though, like a character of all characters. He went hard, went everywhere. <laughs> and uh he hung up. He hung up to. Uh, I want to say it was Spinks at Hand Hills or something. Yeah. And anyway, so um, the next spring, I don't know where we were. Maybe probably Medicine Hat. I guess it would have been. And Joe come into the uh, clown room. TJ and I were working together. It's wherever we were working together. And he's like, "Boys, we made the book. We made the book." <laughs> it was the highlight to Joe's career. <laughs> Okay, so we can uh, the the rodeo stories for this week. I think that Louis Field one that was good enough for a rodeo story. That one, as I brought it up about three times now, that really stood out for me as a big moment in rodeo that I remember. Um, amateur hour and uh, the full pro guys. Do you got anything for this? Did you think about anything this week? Anything, Scott? Did you see anything last week at Olds that that uh, that you would you would send to the pros or you would send down to the minors? No, I'm. I'm just. No, I didn't see too much. Period. Just kind of took it all in. I got. I got no comment either way. <laughs> Probably your suit bossing would be. Set <laughs> yeah. Full pro. Full pro. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. Did you cuss anybody? Did you have to yell at any kids to get their shit together? No, actually, everything was pretty good. Yeah, got no complaints. Good. Okay, I got one. Uh, well, I actually have like a fucking a billion of them. Everybody's been sending these in, so that's been great. I like that people keep sending all the all your good stories in and uh, cool stuff from a life on the road and the shitty stuff from a life on the road. Uh, this one, guys, was uh, from some of the from my PBR buddies, and it was at the event. So we fly into all these different events. You compete in front of you know sometimes sold out crowds, and you're like the the you're the show, right? And you feel like you're the show as these, as the riders and, and all this different stuff that's going on. So then you go back to your dressing room, you get changed after it's all finished. And then it's time to get back to the hotel. So hockey players, hockey teams, right? They have their, the bus, right? That they all get back on, or they have their cars there. Right. But we're not, we know, especially back in those days we weren't making enough money to rent cars every fucking weekend. It'd be just as much as the, as the hotels and the the flights. So what would happen is more often than not, instead of having, you know, shuttles for the riders, we're all at the host hotel. We're all staying at the same place. So you'd think that, you know, within the, the group, within the, the PBR, whatever it might be, they could get one big like shuttle or one big bus that would take all your guys from the arena to the hotel. And it leaves at one time, right? The finals had it, but lots of these events didn't. So most of the times we'd finish up, get our shit on. All these people are fucking going crazy watching us ride. And then you just fucking mosey right up on into the cab line or the Uber line and with the general public. And you sit there and you wait for a fucking cab with all the peasants in the fucking stand. So <laughs> that one I'm for sure sending to the amateurs. I remember doing that all the time. And it'd be like, fuck, is this embarrassing? Like we're putting on this big show, like we're these big celebrity rock stars down here riding the bull and then we're just on the concourse fucking hanging out with everybody that just watched us and paid to come and watch us and sharing cabs some of the times with the people getting back to the hotel so, yeah. so that one they need i don't know if they do anything about it now but that was one that that a couple guys brought up that i that it really refreshed my memory of of how shitty that was sometimes so that one's getting sent down to the fucking to the amateurs for sure <laughs> full pro full pro one guys is Contestant hospitalities at events like Calgary, um, Houston, Denver, all the big rodeos. Before the event, there's always a meal. So anybody that's uh, that's a contestant, you guys know that some of the best times at the Calgary Stampede are in contestant oh, hospitality, yeah. whether it's before or after, right? So that one's getting sent to the press. Mike Lee. Pro. <laughs> <laughs> Ask my wife. Ask my wife. Ask your wife about what? Which one, Mike Lee? No, about Scott Byrne. Oh, I, I caught a well, dinghy. Whole... I caught a dinghy in the river from the. Yeah. Did you from the from the beer tent like quarter mile downstream with some big redheaded guy? Just a tiny little dinghy too. He gave me a ride back to my trailer down along the river. Well, that whole row of trailers in the heyday that was just trouble. It yeah, was, it was a, you know what, awesome. some of my, well, the reason why I kept going back for a few years, it was so much fun, but God, you, you can't, you can't escape it. No, it's so much fun. That could be, that could be full pro too. That was a lot of fun. Everybody getting yeah. to hang out together right there for 10 days, right? Everybody yeah, I agree. Right there. I do. No agree. driving, no anything. So everybody could just have a fun time and wander back to your camp and, and hang out. You know, I remember Luxton, um, uh the seafood tent there it was unbelievable they would feed all the contestants seafood but the problem was 
they would pick everybody up at the ferry on the school bus. So all the contestants would roll in. It was, <laughs> you know, it'd be great if you're a contestant, but when you're fighting bulls, as soon as everybody leaves, it's kind of like that one story I have waking up in Morris, Manitoba on a Monday morning and there looking you go. out Monday the window. And the, yep. Yeah. The go. tumbleweed going across the midway of just carnies and tearing down the, the midway. Oh, it's the worst feeling. Oh, Scott, do you have any, do you have any stories from Luxton? No, none, Jason. I don't know where you're going with this, but we're going to... Oh, okay. oh, I, I don't. I really don't. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, Luxton, I, I agree with you, Jason. The fish was great. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that's full pro. So you committees out there, please know. Work on that. Utter appreciation. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, huge, big time, right? Little meal for you and the family beforehand. Some drinks and whatnot afterwards somewhere where all the contestants can go to mingle before and after. And it makes you feel like you're you're somebody and it adds to the rodeo because it gets everybody in a positive fucking mindset and you're here. This is a big deal and now it's time to go out and win. So that's full pro. Full pro. Yeah, I think everybody should take a step that direction. Back yeah. in the like in the nineties, early two thousands, a lot of those most of those US rodeos always had and it wasn't anything real fancy, but it didn't matter. We weren't fancy back then. <laughs> we didn't care. <laughs> it saved you twenty bucks going to a yeah. restaurant before or after, you know. Uh, I have a Sunday scaries or a Monday scaries, but I'm going to save it before we go right to the interview. So before we get to that one, it's it's a pretty good one. I can't name the names yet, but it's, it's a solid one. Oh, we'll well, get if we want to just use Mr. Pink, Mr. Blue, and Mr. White, I could go all day long on some stories. <laughs> well, we can. So think about those. Think about them because we got a couple for every pod. And I got people. Or we could in. just start on TJ Baird and do 16 <laughs> podcasts consecutively on the shit he did. Yeah. PBR side of things, guys. Let's get into that here. Uh, Nick Tetz, obviously our Canadian guy, showing up and showing out. It's pretty cool to see. He goes 88 there last weekend in New Orleans and steps up to the plate the last couple weekends, moves himself up into the standings, shows everybody how good he can ride. I think that's going to help him when it comes to this team stuff, help mm-hmm. him try to get to his first world finals. Just good to see. You know, lots of guys go down there and they it's it's a different kind of game and mindset and your all your normal friends that you're with aren't there but nick seems to be fitting right in and just kicking ass like he should speaking of pbr teams you heard it here first big coach signing coming up that's all i can give you for right now big what i can't tell i can't give anything away but there's going to be a world champion that we haven't heard from or seen in a while and uh yeah he's going to be taking the reins and and helping coach one of the teams. Is it Chris? Is it like very good move, I think. Is it um, Shivers? Is it Chris Shivers? I, I it's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Okay, that's a good little hint. We're gonna have to wait to see what comes up here in the next week or so. What uh, what goes on with that? Everybody can send in your ideas of who it might be. That's the drum roll. Diddle, 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 diddle. <laughs> also, what? the teams on the little little little. Also on the team series, Mason Taylor. That's a big move. They trade him from the Carolina, right? He goes from Carolina to the Nashville reigning champion. Uh, What do you think of that, Jason? Good move on both sides. They're going to get the first overall pick, which is what I wanted to ask you on this. Who is signing up? Is that made public yet of who has 
declared themselves? Is that why they would have traded for the first overall pick? Is that not done yet? Or or are they just going out on a limb and hoping that the first overall pick is somebody that they want? Well, I know who Nashville wanted. I don't want to say his name here, so you guys can have another freaking throw. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't Stetson, right? We were talking about that. That was also a talk. Was yeah, he and I think the they was he going I, to do the American. And, yeah, yeah, and I think they know that it's it's a bit of a long shot for Stetson right now, and that's how I feel about it too. It is a bit of a long shot that that Stetson's going to declare himself at this point. So, uh, Tina Baddock, great move for her, I think. Um, the the bit of time I've been on the phone with Mason, uh, you know, representing him last year for teams, I think Justin will be outstanding for him. I know yeah. he looks up to him, and that group of guys there will be will be good for Mason and get on the Cowboys. You know, they're, they were, uh, they were running that, um, that team for the PBR last year, RCR racing, Richard Childress purchased the team and they wanted, they want to make a splash. So, you know, Austin Dillon, the grandson of Richard Childress who races NASCARs, um, cool dude, really good guy. Um, he'd, he'd been calling me and they were picking, you know, in the bottom half, and you know asking about Stetson a little bit actually his grandpa uh Richard was at the NFR last year doing some recruiting ended up uh introducing himself to Cody Wright and myself at at lunch one day and made it pretty clear that Stetson was a guy that they were going to target um so they're in a position now um which we're going to have to make a decision one way or the other because they're obviously they're going to have to pivot um so then is it Sage is it Josh, I actually text with Josh um, this morning, Josh Frost. He doesn't know. Sounds like he's going to, but he doesn't know 100% for mm-hmm. sure yet if he's going to declare. So that first overall pick is going to get you somebody. It's going to get you a Sage, a Stetson, or a Josh, I think. One of the three guys will be will be in, will be game, will be in play. It is a risk because they couldn't, they're all three of those guys could not do it too, though. Yes. Right. And that's the leverage. That's the leverage an agent has with those three names. Who else would be in the mix? I wonder who, who like rodeo guys or young guys or anybody who could be that other first overall pick. Say those three don't put themselves out there. Then I think you're going to, I think you're going to a Brazilian. And that's the thing is they're, the supplemental draft, the full draft, like is everybody available for this first overall pick or is there certain rules that come along with it? I think that's all still up in the air, right? So, and who's of age, like John Crimber, obviously is going to be a first overall pick at some point, but I don't know. He's 18. Next year. Yeah. So I guess he'll wait until next year to, to do that. Yeah. So um, there's a bunch of good young kids though. We're going to see here pretty quick. So that'll be interesting to see. Well, yeah, that is going to be interesting. Okay, uh, Jess Lockwood is is hurt again. He put on his Instagram that uh, he had an injury that's going to take him out now and try to get healed up again. So just shit luck for that guy as well. Uh, Leme is uh, is out this weekend. He's not going to be in Albuquerque, and they ended up carrying him out of the arena there last weekend in the in the short go. So not good news for him. Not good news for the Austin Gamblers. They haven't come out and said what's going on there. To me, it looked growing ish area, which is obviously shitty for mm-hmm. uh, for a bull rider. But keep an eye on that as that might uh, play. Hey, a uh, LT, who you who since Felisco has moved on from PBR, who are you getting who are you getting the inside uh, track from? 
Uh, no one really. I've been watching. I've been watching. Uh, we can get it in Canada through the Recast app yeah. now. So it's like a dollar or two dollars or something for per event per night that you can watch. So I've just been tuning in and watching that. But I don't know. I've seen there's a few different people that are writing the the articles, but there isn't like a a certain Falesco that that I've noticed yet. That's you know in and all the action and and has all the insights, but. You're you're gonna. It's hard to be hard in any sport, any aspect of life to replace what Falesco was doing, right? For the PBR, mm-hmm. that guy mm-hmm. was, knew everything and right into the action. So, uh, what do you think of this, Jason, with Kaike and the Nashville Stampede taking the win last year? Leme being hurt, everybody had the Austin Gamblers as the as the champs, and then when they brought Dalton Castle, it looked like it was a no brainer. But do you think that Kaike and the Nashville have a more rounded team or Kaike is more of a, a team guy of a leader and and jose as it with austin it really looks like it's the it's all about jose right but they didn't yeah. end up winning last year so do you think that that maybe plays into things with the gamblers and then that plays into things with the nashville stampede as well that it's a more they're they're banking on everybody not just one guy to win the team and austin has all these other good guys in dalton castle and and ezekiel mitchell and, and they have a great team uh, but they don't seem to be in the limelight or being utilized as much as a well-rounded Nashville Stampede, where they've got all their guys that are that are doing everything for them, not just one guy that they're banking on to win everything. Well, this is where the whole team concept comes into play. It's a team. There's no I in the word team. Um, Connor McDavid's the best player in the world, and they they he has not won a Stanley Cup. So, you know what? I uh, here here's what I think. That speech Justin McBride gave in Las Vegas last year, um, that if we had the the mainstream media behind us, like NFL, NBA, NHL, that would be all over. That would have been all over the universe, that speech. It was that good. Um, I think Silvano coming in late in the game, they signed him late. really a discount deal because nobody had stuck their neck out and drafted Silvano. I think they thought maybe Silvano was past his time and he come in and made some key rides. You got uh, Joao Henrique Lucas who made some key rides when they needed it. And then Kaiki really, really did step up in Vegas. Like he was the guy he, he would have, he would have been the MVP of the team's finals. So I think everybody, even Dirty Deer, like Dirty yeah. Deer made some solid rides. Like everybody contributed there. So it was a definitely a team effort led by Kaiki. Um, and I do feel Silvano brought something with the three gold buckles to that, that championship as well. But when it all comes down to it, it's whoever rides more bulls. And those guys rode more bulls and Kaiki led the way. And I think they got support when they needed it from, you know, riders two through five. So I, I think teams probably learned a lot from that. They're looking at depth right now, yeah. you know, with Lockwood out the freedom, which is now purchased again, it's a new ownership group. They've got a lot of work to do. You've got some solid guys in there with outlaw, Colbaba, Eli, um, Bassbinder. You don't have one. Uh, well, I don't want to say you don't have. I'm looking right at their team here right now, actually. They've got depth. Do they have a guy that can step up? Like, is Outlaw the guy or is Kolbaba the guy? 
that could Cole step Baba up. was for them for them last year. He was yeah. you know in the running for MVP as well. Kobaba really showed what he could do last year for for that team. I, I it's tough. I, I think it's look well. Look how it, it worked out. Nashville went in an eighth spot and rode their way to a championship. Get get the all the money and the first overall pick, which they've moved to make their team better. I think with Mason Taylor, very good move by Tina Baddock there. Um, that's fun. This is yeah, this is what awesome. I this is yeah. June for me in the National Hockey League draft and trade deadlines. The same stuff, you know. Yeah. You're yeah. you're you're watching to see how teams can make themselves better and looking on paper here right now, Kansas city has some work to do, but um, I, I've had conversations with Jim Smith here in the last 10 days that they are going to make some, uh, some moves that will make them better. Well, Austin Dillon, I don't know if there's anybody more competitive than, than him with the Carolina Cowboys, like making that move to get up to number one. It's yeah. great. It's it's a lot of fun when you got a lot of guys in your stable that you're representing that are the key players, right? Yeah, yeah so for sure. The bangers. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just more like the well-rounded. I like that analogy that you brought up about Connor McDavid, the best player in the league, but hasn't won uh, the, the title, right? Hasn't won the Stanley yeah. Cup. And then you look at like the Colorado Avalanche last year, and they were rolling four lines, and and everybody had a part to play in that team. You had your superstars, you had your McKinnon and your McCarr, but everybody on that team played a role in winning the title, which is I think what what Nashville brought to the table last year. They had all those guys step up at the right time and all bring something to the table. And if, you know Austin's gonna have to look at that, and their hands will be tied because they've got Jose on a big contract, and depending on the injury, but he's a freak; he'll be back. But all that stuff plays into it too, right? The the yeah. budgets and what you have to to play with, and then your injuries come into the into factor, and you don't have a bunch of room or or extra guys that you can that you can put into those roles. So, well, and don't forget too, anybody that follows the teams enough knows the Austin Gamblers were basically the New York Yankees of PBR teams, and you know they they invested heavily in that lineup. Um, in some cases, 10 times probably more than other teams and it, and it didn't pay off for them. So um, there's no salary cap in PBR teams. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out this year. Um, mm-hmm. They are spending more money. I know that. I can tell you that firsthand. They're getting aggressive because they want to win. These franchises are worth money now. So the owners are are investing into their teams as far as riders so they can win and bring the values of those franchises up even more. Yep. But you need to. Yeah, I like Nashville's play, taking Mason Taylor, right? It's it's similar similar to the NHL where yeah, you got there's a couple draft picks that are that won't miss, but lots of times, you know, you can't guarantee that that, that draft pick is going to be your, your superstar of the team. Right. So they take the sure bet with Mason Taylor, who is a stud who proves that he can ride the rank ones and he'll fit right in well with that team, right at the top of that team. And then Carolina takes the risk. And like I say, we'll see who, who declares themselves and it could be a big, great move for them, or it could be a, a little bit of a flop. So I think it'll be interesting to see once uh, once people start declaring and, and we get to that draft. Well, and the foundation Carolina has with Dalen, who's going to come in healthy. Um, yeah, you know, he's huge. been looking after yep. that. Cooper, Cooper yep. Davis. So you've got um, 
multiple gold buckles there. And then a guy like Boudreaux, I think his, um, I don't know Boudreaux very well at all, but he strikes me as the kind of the glue guy. You know, he he knows what his role is there. He's a well-liked guy. He's yeah. a team player from what mm-hmm. I understand. So, you know, there's three solid guys right there. So, um, yeah, they're, they're going to add somebody that's going to come in and swing for the fence. That's for sure. And who you know, knows? It could be, it could be, it could be Stetson, right? I, I, I honestly can't say one way or the other right now. What, you know, if it's 60, 40, one way or the other, I cannot, but I, we, we've got to, we've got to get on it. They, they have to declare themselves by May 15th. So Beauty. we're getting there. We're getting yeah. there. Okay. Uh, other news, PBR Whoopa retires, uh, kind of big news. You didn't expect that. A lot of times, contractors you know kind of take these bulls to when they're maybe not at their height anymore this bull's right in his prime by the looks of it and they decided to let him go out at the top and go and uh, breed some cows and do that so pretty cool didn't give him the old smooth operator treatment where he went and everybody wrote him for 88 yeah. uh that's kind of cool i like that especially with a bull like that won the world now they can go and breed with them and make probably just as much money selling his calves and, and heifers off of and all that sort of stuff. And and he gets to stay as one of the top bulls ever. So tip of the hat to Whoopa. Great career. Uh, Jesse Petri takes the win last mm-hmm. weekend. A big step for that guy. Nobody rode in the short round. He rode two of three. Comes out on top, takes the win. So I always say this is a good time of year, midway through the season to to really be riding good and really step up. You can win a lot. A lot of the, everybody's kind of tired by now, a little bit sore. They've been going every weekend since the start of January starts playing a toll on, on guys. So if you're healthy right now and you're riding good and feeling good, it's a great time to go in there and take, take all the money. So good job. uh, Good job to Jesse. Other than that, buddy, I think we're pretty set. I got a lot more stuff on here, but we're running out of time. Shout out to the PBR Dirty 30. They got a party going on in uh, Texas in Fort Worth at Billy Bob's. Uh, Bingham, former guest on the show, Ryan Bingham, is going to be playing that. Uh, I got the invite as one of the alums and all the guys, former world finalists and everything like that got in uh, invited. They're going to do a big thing for the 30th birthday. So that'll be fun. If you get your, if you're going there, make sure you get your tickets for that. That'll be a cool event with, uh, with the musical acts of Bingham and then just all the legends and, and the bull riders of nowadays. Trevor Kastner retires. Got to give a shout out to Trevor. Been to the NFR a bunch of times. Once, like you talked about, one of those those glue guys in uh, Boudreaux Campbell. Same as this guy, man. Everybody loves Trevor. He's a great guy. Quiet. Just went about his business and rode bulls uh, quietly as as one of the one of the greats to to do it. So, shout out. Can you to take all Trevor. the money in the last round? Did I think Kastner? he's. He might. Didn't Castner take all the money in the last round at the NFR there last year? Did he? He might have. Yeah. Yeah. He's a stud, man. A legend. Um. And with that, we'll get to our interview, but I got to give the Sunday scary stories or the Monday scary stories. We can't name names, but this was a pretty good one. So <laughs> we can't uh, name names. You know what? If mm-hmm. times get tough, we are going to start throwing out names if they don't names. send us yeah. some cash. <laughs> oh, I think I have enough skeletons in my closet that I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> Sister cries out, smokes a lot of dope. Brother runs in, and he smokes a lot of dope. Mama's in her room, smokes a lot of dope. Daddy's drinking beers, and he smokes a lot of dope. Hank Williams smokes a lot of dope. And 
Okay, this one uh, follows an event. Um, we'll say, well, I wouldn't use the places, but it was every year after, I think it was Kansas City or um, one of, St. Louis, maybe it was one of them in Missouri, but Luke Snyder, former guest on the show, has a had a party barn at, at his place, at his parents' place, I think it was. And so pretty much all the guys, and this was back in the day when, 35 of the 35 guys were in the bar every night, right? It's that's all changed now. But uh so I think uh how it works was from the gist of it that I got. I was not this, this was before my time, but everybody would leave the event and go to Luke's and uh they'd go to the party barn and throw a big shindig and they'd have musical acts and they have uh mechanical bull and everybody would have a good time. And it usually would end up being a couple of days. So this particular person, um got stuck there for a couple of days. So <laughs> the he missed his plate off the hop and then that led into the next day. And then the, 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 the party got rolling again and missed that plate again. Party got rolling again. So it's about three, four days later, obviously in the doghouse, by the time it ends, finishes, it's, it's not well, right. You know, you imagine how that could go, what your mindset's at hung over and after a three, four day bender and, um, missed all your flights and you're trying to find flights back home and, and finally finds his way to the airport and they'd wrote on him. They'd wrote on, he'd passed out. So they wrote on him with fucking permanent marker. <laughs> and so he had permanent marker all over his face too, while he was at the airport and they ended up doing it to Ned cross too. They colored Ned's face completely black. Oh, what I heard. And he didn't but know Ned would have deserved it. But he didn't know, I guess. And then when he went to the airport, security and fucking Fort Knox was on him because his face was completely <laughs> black face with a fucking sharpie. Long story short, gets uh gets finally gets on an airplane, flies back home to his home home, and lands at the airport, walks out, gets his bag, walks out to the parking lot, realizes <laughs> But that weekend, he didn't fly out of his hometown. Flights were super expensive, so he drove to another airport that was seven hours away <laughs> and flew out of that airport to go down there. So when he lands back in his hometown, walks to the he has no truck, has no vehicle, and realizes that his vehicle is where he flew out of, which is seven hours away. Probably not wanting to admit that or or you know go along with that. Decides. There's no flights, decides it's best to hop on a bus, <laughs> hop on his bus from his hometown, ride the bus to the place, the the city and airport that his vehicle was at, gets in his vehicle and then ends up driving it home and gets back home. So you can imagine for those that know after uh, a bender like that and then having to go through that ordeal a couple of days later, that's not good. So. No. <laughs> That almost that gives me anxiety. Thing that took me right back to 1996, right there. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. So that's the Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday, maybe at this point, scaries for the week. So anybody's got any good stories like that? We've got a few lined up for the next few podcasts, but uh, keep sending them in. I know in in our line of work, <laughs> there's a lot of those. So we appreciate it. Okay, uh, we're going to throw it to our interview now. But before we do, this interview is brought to you by the Czar Lake Bolarama. For the best 
of all the bad to the bone PBR action, make a plan to come down to Czar Lake Bullerama, July 21st, 2023. The rankest bulls and the best cowboys in the business will try and win one of the biggest single day paydays in the industry at the back to back and reigning PBR Canada event of the year. For more information, check out and like our Facebook page or check our website, www.czarlakebullerama.com. Czar Lake Bullerama. Come get some. Now, also with the Czar Lake Bolorama, like I told you guys before, the tickets, there's not, they're not selling them in advance. It's all right at the door. So just show up there and get your get your ticket. I'd probably show up early. Uh as well. Wanted to mention after the event, they have a cabaret, big dance, big party, and it's the Chris Buck band. They're doing the outdoor dance after the bull riding this year. And from the from the sounds of the committee people, it's gonna be pretty nuts. So they're fired up. So get your get your tickets at the door and then plan to stay for the night. Bring your camper, hang out, and have some fun. So, Jason, with that, we'll throw it to our interview. I think we covered what we had to for the week, missed lots of stuff, but uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We got some cool guests lined up. We'll keep bringing these to you. Yeah, let's talk to the six time champ of the world. All right, with that. Thank you guys for listening in. We appreciate it. We love you. Here is our interview with Casey Fields. Decorated man in the world of bareback riding ever. There's no question mark. There's no dot, 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 period. Write it down. Put it in stone. Casey Fields is the GOAT. The champion bareback rider at the American. From Genoa, Utah, the six-time undisputed champion of the world, KC Fields! Our guest today is a true living legend. He's a 13-time qualifier to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, racking up wins at Calgary, Houston, Fort Worth, San Antonio, and most every major rodeo in the world, including last week notching his third title at the American. It's the six-time champion of the world, bareback rider, Mr. Casey Field. Casey, how are we doing today? Man, doing excellent. Damn glad to be on here, man. Exciting to be on your podcast, doing a little bullshit, a little catching up. That's right. We're looking forward to it, buddy. So I know that was a pretty juiced up uh, intro because you've done everything that there is to do. But before we get into things, is there one that still that you haven't fucking won yet that you still no, are after? Tanner, or that was my question. I got one question, <laughs> one question for the entire podcast, and you just scoot me. Well, I went through it all, and I don't think I got there, pretty much every major one has been won. So, is there one that, that you haven't got? Is there an elusive one yet? Uh, and the the daddy of them all. It's uh, it's haunted me from day one. I've won second there. Oh, I bet you eight times. Ooh. Like it's just one of them rodeos. It's uh it's a tough one to win regardless for anybody, but for some reason that it's just been a tough one for me to win. Um it's one of my favorites. There Stay Smith took it over a few years. He's really uh brought some great stock. He's turned the production around for that rodeo and it's just it's time. I'll say that, Tanner. I'm ready to get that that W and get that. <laughs> Hell yeah. See, I had, well, I'm glad it's a lot better because I remember going there one year on three head. I don't think I broke 72 points. So I'm glad to hear that it's a lot better. <laughs> yeah. You could you could go three times 73 and win that sucker. <laughs> yeah. I think I ended up like third. Fuck. I was like, all right, rodeoing. <laughs> what was your last year rodeoing? 
uh like 2012 2013 and then i went full-time pbr and then 20 uh 2014 i think is when that went on and then went pbr and from then on but it was just some fun times the rodeo road man huh unreal it's pretty wild at times that, that's for sure <laughs> so what's going on buddy where are you at right now what's going on in life where are we catching you Man, I'm in Houston, Texas right now. Just got done riding in the semifinals last night. Made it to the finals on Sunday. Actually, when I get done with this podcast, me go over to the Raging Cajun, get, get some crawfish. Uh, I don't have to ride tomorrow. It's the only day that I dare uh, eat crawfish. So, <laughs> crawfish. <laughs> why? Tell us why. <laughs> why? Uh, use your imagination. <laughs> let's go back to the american that's the the one that's really fresh in everybody's mind you just won it for the third time i think that's probably a record too or ties the record for most wins at that sucker but uh teton ridge takes it over this year how was it what's the vibe for you obviously it was great you won it but uh the whole scenario behind the scenes what's the talk on the american uh, in the locker room man it's awesome it really is uh teton ridge um they cater to the cowboys really well it's a class that event it really is uh from top to bottom they don't miss anything uh from production to volunteers at the rodeo everybody's well taken care of the money's great they're adding more money in the long rounds and through the qualifying system i think the guy in heber i don't i can't remember if it was richmond for sure but they won fifteen thousand, which is amazing um I, you know that event um uh, the american we'll stay on the american for a minute but the american it's a special rodeo for me i've had luck there um this year was the 10th year uh the first time i won it um was right after i broke my arm and so i had to go through the qualifying system and and, and won it that year split the million with three guys um it was it was a turning point in my career i had just lost my father um in February, I didn't want to leave to go down to the rodeo in March. And, and they did a tribute to my father and had his world champion saddle out in the middle of the stage. And then every person, personnel, contractor, gate man, you say it, they all laid a white rose on his saddle. And um, so that rodeo, not only if I've had luck and, you know, the money has been great and it's changed my life, but the, the meaning behind that rodeo, the American um, what they did for my family and, and the legacy that my dad started is, is seriously, uh, yeah, it's very humbling. I guess you could say it's a, it's a feeling I haven't ever felt at any other rodeo. And, um, uh, every time I get to that rodeo, there's an energy in that arena. Um, you know, this year it was at the globe life instead of the cowboy stadium. And it was, the energy was just unbelievable. It was a lot like the NFR people are right up on top of you, um, for, and an arena at that magnitude to have that energy was, it was pretty dang cool. Um, it, it, from top to bottom, I, I feel like, you know, these big rodeos, Houston, Calgary, the American, it, it's pretty fun when Calgary, when they started the format that they did the playoff series and, and then paying the hundred grand, um, you know, that was a, that was a huge movement in the, in the right direction for the sport of the rodeo. And, these other committees are catching on to the, to the format, what the Cowboys like and, and then the money it's, it's the, the sport of rodeo because of these rodeos is looking more uh, open and bright than it ever has in my opinion. And it's like it's, a it's, profession. It is, you know, major league sports is, is uh, I guess what you could describe it as, you know, it, 
it's it's uh this time of year with with Houston, Fort Worth and the American and then you guys roll into Austin and then it it kind of just kind of drops off a little bit till Calgary rolls around again and Cheyenne it's you need to be doing 3 of these a month for 8 8 or 9 months of the year and you'd have something man that would be awesome i might rodeo a few more years <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's it's and that too that being said the rodeos are great but the horses too that's you know we were talking about how fort worth and denver these rodeos they you'd be 72 points and 80 points and you make back to the short round nowadays there's so many good horses uh from top to bottom it's it's you know when i wrote my goals down when i was 13 years old um what i wanted to do in my career i wanted to be done and retired when i was 35 years old but as the the sport has evolved uh my goals have had to evolve a little bit and i i still have so much fun going to the rodeos because i'm getting on quality bucking horses I, and mm-hmm. like last night i say I, I drew a dud or whatever but i was still 84 points he just wasn't getting in the air and i can't be 90 on him you know but there's from 2008 my first year at the nfr i'd get on maybe one or two nfr caliber horses a year um now you know it's two or three every rodeo out of out of the five bucking horses here in houston you know, there's an opportunity to be 87 plus and it's, it makes it so much more fun. It makes it to when, when I'm at home, uh, uh, working at it, you know, perfecting my craft, it, it's, uh, it's not strenuous. It's not, it's not a drag. It's man, I get to go and ride the best bucking horses. I'm going to draw good. You know, the rodeo is fun. It's a, it's a vacation for me. So last night it was, were you 84 and a half in the 84 and a half. 84 yep. and a half. Um, and you were a little bit earlier in the, in the stacked up lineup of the guys. Were you in your head? Were you like, shit, I hope this gets me back. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I believe it. Yeah. And then I, the last guy would jumped off the shoots. I was like, hell yeah. Made her back. Hey, there's yeah. a rear. Son of a bitch. I just yeah. Jinxed. Then you got to wait for that. <laughs> I was going to get into it after, but you brought it up right there about your dad and, and the, the American. And, uh, I was fortunate enough to be there that year when we all walked across there and, and put those roses on, on the saddle. And what a monumental moment. And for anybody that, that didn't know the impact your dad had on the sport just go back and and watch that right that was one of the coolest things that i've ever been a part of and it just showed the respect and and what you guys have done in the the field name right and what your dad did for you guys losing him in that time of your life it had to be a career changer and a life changer right yeah for sure yeah thanks for the comment too about you know my dad and the, the legacy he started and the impact he had on the sport um, he was my very best friend. He was the best coach you could ever imagine. I, I could call him on the phone, leaving the rodeo, say Filer, Idaho at nine 30 at night. I'm like, man, you know, about five seconds, daddy kind of got my shoulder forward and my left toe come up. And without even seeing the ride or, or, you know, being there, he could explain, you know, Casey, if you pull back on your shoulder blade and, and get your elbow in closer and, and turn your toe out. And when he does this lift right here and, and you'll, you'll be able to correct that. Um, little things like that I've never been able to I actually two people Tilden Hooper and Bobby Moe um can talk that deep into bareback riding and comprehend it like that uh Cole Reiner I guess is a young kid that can talk like that too but the the impact that my dad had in my life was amazing um 
nothing was ever hard. Uh, we went and built fence. We had fun. Um, life was uh, a gift. Every day that we had was an opportunity and you needed to take advantage of it. Um, it was when, when he, when he passed away, I didn't, I still, I, my mom closed his eyes and I, I didn't believe that he was dead. That my, my superhero, my, my dad that I never said, or he, I never heard him say, ow, not ouch, nothing. Even when he's going through cancer, he never said, why me? This sucks. Not, not one negative word ever came out of his mouth. Um, and so, you know, um, that after he passed, it was a big change for me. I, I had to, um, you know, grieving was tough for me. Cause like I left two weeks after he passed away, went to the rodeo, um, had to push a lot of emotions to the side. I wasn't able to grieve like my brother and my sister and my mom, um, stay home and be with the family and, and feel that, you know, that nurturing feeling, I guess you could say. But, uh, it was tough. I had to rewrite my goals. I had to, to learn to, uh, rodeo a little bit different. I, I, uh, had to grow up a lot. Not that my dad ever did anything for me. Um, but he did a lot, a lot for me at the same time. And, and I, I, uh, I was struggling with it for a long time, about a year and a half. Um, I was trying as hard as I ever could. I was training as hard as I ever could. Nothing was clicking, not, not business at home. Uh, rodeo. I couldn't make a perfect ride. I got bucked off in Calgary. Um, there was things that, uh, were dealt in my hands that, that I don't, I wouldn't necessarily that I, I was a pansy ass about what was going on, but looking back on back at it, I didn't handle it like a professional. I didn't, uh, I didn't capitalize. It's hard to, uh, you know, it's hard to, really bareback riding it's only eight seconds and and it's crazy in that eight seconds how much life plays into that eight seconds and every second outside of life plays into that eight seconds and it and it was um it was a time that i i learned discipline it was a it was a time that i, I had to dig deep and really find out who i was it, i'm no longer louis field's boy you know not that I ever rode those coattails or, or anything like that, but it was, it was a challenge and it was a change. Um, one thing I did, I, uh, in 2018, before I left to the American, uh, two years after he passed away, I wrote down all the good things, um, that can happen without him being here and all, all the things if he was here and, and, and the pros and the cons and, you know, I wish so bad he would still be here, but what I've learned, the pros, you know, outweigh the cons because I've had to grow up and I've had to do things on my own. I've had to develop my own relationships. He had friends all over the country. And if I ever needed anything, a business call or a flat tire in Lawton, Oklahoma, he had the, the guy to call. And uh, so I, I wrote down the pros and the cons along with my goals. And when I started writing my goals down and the pros and the cons in 2019, uh, my goals were completely different. Um, I didn't, I didn't, uh, not that I ever felt bad for myself that I didn't have my dad, but there was, there was, a, you know, just a little bit of a cloud over my head that just, it wasn't right. And it, it took writing down my goals. It took digging down deep and having a lot of nights where I bawled and pissed off lifting weights in the gym by myself, riding the spur board, 
couldn't spur it hard enough. Couldn't, you know, and, and, but it's, it's, a the life is, uh, short and it was, uh, a rude awakening for me, I guess you could say. And so what I've learned from the situation of losing my father, writing my goals down and continuing to, to try to achieve my ultimate goals, man, it's been, a a blessing it's been so much fun it's uh brought me and my brother and sister closer my mom and i have a great relationship it's it's been you know a, an amazing amazing career and and without him it's it's been good i can't complain at all what, what i dare to say it was a when you wrote those goals down it was a fresh start without dad it was no it it that's a perfect way to put it, actually, Scott. I've never thought about it like that, but you know, it, it took me years of you know figuring that out, and you know, like I, like I said, I flipped the book in 2019. It was like, oh, here, you know, I can this start over. Here we go. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like a breath of fresh air. You know what, people, uh, our listeners might not know when the when the national finals rodeo moved from Oklahoma City, it was 1985. Um, I was 12 years old at the time. My folks had went down to Las Vegas to watch that rodeo. And I remember bringing the program back. We didn't have TV. We couldn't watch. And that program for me at 12 years old was one of the, you know, I still remember it and I can forget shit that happened yesterday, Casey. And your dad was, that was his era right there. Dave Appleton, tough lane, Ted noose, um, huge influence on me at the time. And I never even knew the man, just the picture of him. You could just tell that um you know he demanded respect right just the way he carried himself and and how he looked and how he won obviously you know um and back in those days you're talking about bruce ford i said dave appleton larry peabody there were some hands back there that your old man was beaten and beaten regularly so um you know he was the he would have been the guy in vegas you know you, we go to vegas today and we watch casey you're that guy you yeah, right? yeah um so Vegas makes superheroes out of our rodeo athletes for 10 days a year that now social media, the cowboy channel is allowing us to carry that on 12 months of the year. Um, you ever think about, you know, I don't have to tell you how cool your dad was. He's your best friend. You were around him, but could you imagine how cool that would have been if you'd been able to sit like your, your little guy right now watching his dad on TV every week, being around that, um, all the fanfare, the autographs, like, you know, I've been, I've seen you at Cowboy Christmas, Casey, you've, you've got a following. Um, your dad's got to be real proud. Well, thank you very much. That, uh, I really appreciate that. 1985 was a special year. The, the world champions that all won that year have made such an impact, long lasting impact on the sport. You got Jake, uh, Jake Barnes, Clay O'Brien Cooper in the team rope and Joe Beaver in the in the calf rope and Ted Noose in the bull riding. Um, I believe in the bronc riding, I believe it was Brad Germanson or Clint Johnson. I'm not positive on that. And then Birch Nigar in the Bulldog. And then and though when when the rodeo left Oklahoma City and went to Vegas that first year, uh, there wasn't many people in the stands and there was a lot of people that were spectacle of of the change and the, and the new move um the contestants were you know questioning it um but what what uh, that group of guys did what las vegas 
that move has done for the sport of rodeo now that is the reason why that there is you know the exposure that the cowboys deserve now and it's it's unbelievable to go back to 95 and watch clips and and the nfr and to now and watch how the sport has evolved um the nfr and how it showcases their cowboys um is unbelievable like stetson right i mean that kid is a, a superstar but you get to see him in vegas on bronx and bulls and it and it kind of t- it kind of puts it in per- perspective of what kind of athletes are really there in vegas i mean it it for 10 nights in a row you them at their top of their ability and it's it's so cool it's a it's a very unique sport or uh, event and uh it's it's kind of uh it's really shaped the sport in my opinion to the main screen 100 speaking of that like the sport and where it's where it's gone to now and and where we're at now with the american and these different big events you were one of the original guys that started the ERA back in 2016. Can you fill us in on that? Because it was kind of, it was, you guys had the, the right idea of more money, uh, less animals, uh, but it never really did go to that next level. Did you guys, did you guys lose money on that? Was it a successful deal? The PRCA turned on you for a while. They banned you guys for a while. That whole situation was kind of up in the air for a while there, but fill us in on that and what your thoughts were on that and what your thoughts still are on it today. Man, we were 10 years too early. If we would have done it this year, you know, it, it would have been a success. The group of people that were involved, the contestants that were involved, that tried to make the change and tried to make the sport better uh, was an amazing group of people. Very, uh, very diligent. They, Everybody was on the same page and, and wanted the sport to grow and get better. There's a lot of things when you're rodeoing, you go up and down the road. Um, that you learn. My dad, he always told me, don't worry about the politics. Don't worry about the judging. You can't change that. All you can do is go there and ride and do your job. I didn't really understand that as, as a young man, but now going through the rodeo career and been doing this for 15 years, you learn little things that uh, you think that you could be, you could help the sport and better the sport. And sometimes the, the PRCA, you know, is handcuffed by the rule book. It might not be an individual, um, there, there'll be an individual speaking, but his hands are, are tied by the rule book. And, and there was a lot of Cowboys that were sick of that. And we, and we wanted to, to make an elite, um, association. We wanted to, to have, um, more of a season, uh, that people could follow, not just Cowboys going all over the country at different times. Um, it was a, it was a, a learning curve for me. It was an awesome time for the rodeo. It was crazy um how the cowboys that uh, started the era and went with the era and the prca banning them um it was pretty wild to me to see so many people not not pull for it not happy about it uh, the sport is full of great people and uh humble people and i thought that we would have got a little better reaction on uh you know what we were trying to accomplish yeah, and rodeo, rodeo people sometimes just do not like change. <laughs> it's the old school mentality is uh, is tough to deal with at times. It really is, but uh, it is getting better. Um, there's a lot of old guys that are you know retiring uh, from the board and and 
there's a lot of big changes going on right now. And I think that the, the sport is really going to take a big change and the the ERA, you know, um, open their eyes to that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still talked about. And I think that, uh, here before too long, we, we might see something that, uh, is shaped a lot like the ERA was. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. You just have to take a look at what the PBR has accomplished in 30 years. It's, it's not, it's right there. There's the business model. Yeah. It's, it, you know, the Cowboys are capable of it. Um, you have the, the stock pay- to do it. You definitely have the athletes. You got, like you mentioned Stetson, you got a rocker Steiner, you, you know, what more, look at that bronc riding period right now. And you know what? I shouldn't even just narrow it down to the bronc riding, the, the bareback riding. When you got the top 15 guys in Las Vegas, there's yeah. some heat there, mm-hmm. you know, that's no better time than the present with the athletes and, and the stock that's, that's in this uh, professional rodeo association right now. Yeah. It, like last night, there's Sam Peterson, an 18 year old kid. He wrote, he rides like a, grown ass man like i mean the the young kids that are coming up in the sport not just the bareback riding you know they're uh it's awesome to watch it is it's a a breath of fresh air it's exciting for me not that uh you know five years ago after the ra and and how we were treated uh, and there wasn't a whole lot of young guys coming up i wasn't i wasn't real excited about the sport of rodeo if my little boy was or my my little girl was to say, you know, hey, I want to be a professional rodeo cowboy. You know, I would have, I wouldn't have steered them away from it. But in the back of my mind, I would have been thinking, well, shit, you ought to maybe choose like something a little different. Here's the golf you know? clubs. You know, Here's the golf, golf club. <laughs> <laughs> Tennis racket. Here <laughs> are the PBR. You know that they, there is some promising um, things that you know you can benefit from from when you're done riding bulls that will continue from your career of being a bull rider and five years ago i wouldn't have said that but now the rodeo world i i'm very excited for it i'm excited for my kids if they want to grow up and be rodeo athletes well hell yeah i i can help them out quite a bit we kind of gotten in in the sport and um i can help them out tremendously but if they choose something else 100 percent be back behind them but won't have the ends like in the motocross world or the golf world like we do in the rodeo world right so we see uh the calgary stampede come back uh sanctioned by the prca and this year the america is this the first year was the american sanctioned last year no two years ago two years okay um where's your head at with that casey what do you you i know it's a lot of money and you you took your chunk out of that rodeo um i bet you you're sitting i think 10th or 9th 10th today that would have looked really good in the PRCA standings for he takes a, you know, not that you probably put a ton of pressure on yourself because you're, you know, as confident as you are in what you do, but that 50 K, I believe it would have counted. That would have really looked good in the PRCA standings for you. Um, do you, do you guys have any conversations with, with the people at the American or do you get involved in that? Or do you just go look after business and put it in the bank? Um. The past few years, I've kept my mouth shut. Um, obviously, I want them all to count for the PRCA. My ultimate goal is a world championship. Um, I want to achieve that. And those little wins or big wins, they they help out. Um, you know, if I if if uh, the American would have counted this year, I could have rodeoed a lot less and prolonged my career. Um, that's what that's 
what these big rodeos, uh, you know, are uh, capable of doing is is adding years on guys' careers. Not only uh, myself in the rough stock world, but in the tiny event too. It's those guys are beating the crap out of their trucks, their trailers, their horses, rattling up and down the road. You know, those are hundred thousand dollar horses, and you're taking life. You're you're taking years off their lives right there, just putting them in the trailer and hauling them. Um, but you know, I don't like to get involved with the politics. Um, I like just to go and focus on my riding. But I, you know, I talked to Keith Merrington at the at Calgary Stampede, and you know, even if the long rounds count, count something, make it mm -hmm. worth it up there. Um, the American, if it didn't pay a hundred thousand, I would probably wouldn't win. Yeah. You know, and yeah. even I, 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 I know, I, I feel you on that. Um, especially coming to Canada with the exchange today, you need that money to count dollar for dollar for something because it sure don't count dollar for dollar in your bank account. I can promise you that. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. You don't want to know. You don't want to know. Just enter. We'll see you there. <laughs> I'm excited to get back to Calgary. I love that rodeo. Uh, the arena, everything about it. That's a that's one of my favorites. The mini tent. Yeah, that's a good one. Thank you, Vinny. I heard it closed. No, it's it back is, open, but, but no, it's, it's back, back open. open. Yeah. Yeah. She's cool. back on, buddy. Game on. There for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it to her. Uh, Casey, go, let's go back. Um, we kind of skipped through a lot, but it's you got so many different interesting aspects towards your life. It's easy to jump around and just love getting your opinion on on all that stuff. And thanks for being so open about your your dad too. You know, as we said, he's such a legend and, and a hero to ours as well. So with that, going back to your early years, um, having Louis Field as your dad, you growing up, was rodeo the only thing that you thought about? I know your story and you got to tell me about a horse called uh, Bay Rum, or is it? What was the something something oh, rum? Yeah, yeah. What was, what was the horse's name? Bay Rum. That was my Bay first rum. horse. So yeah. take us into it. Get us from the start, getting into it, and then um, how you grew up in the sport because it's a lot different than a lot of guys just going and getting killed off all the time. You had a different way of going about it. So take us back. Yeah. So at a very young age, um, dad, my dad wasn't a world champion. You know, he come home and he was dad. We didn't talk rodeo. Um, you know, we talked about hunting. We, we were, I was a little kid. Um, my ball dropped when I was about 13 and I, and I started writing some real gold. I, uh, took it pretty serious. I, uh, wanted to be a bareback rider. Um, it, there was a lot of things that, uh, my older brother was doing. Um, a lot of my friends were a little more mature than me and going to the rodeos and doing well. And, I had some pretty hot girlfriends and, and, uh, there was some things that were pretty interesting other than just riding. Um, so I, uh, I took it real serious when I was 13. Uh, I still have those goals, a copy of my goals from that year that I, I decided I wanted to be a bareback rider. Um, my dad took notice of that. He watched my brother kind of crack his egg in the bronc ride and he didn't really crave it at a young age. He kind of more or less just had to go and ride Bronx because he started it. And, you know, now I'm getting on. I got to finish it and I'm going to be successful at it. And um, got wiped out at time after time because he's just a little guy. And at 13 years old, uh, well, my freshman year in high school, um, I went to wrestle on the high school team and I couldn't make 103. I, I weighed 86 pounds. 
And so my dad, um, I was really little. I didn't have a lot of muscle. I wasn't strong and I wanted to do it. And I was begging my dad. I wanted to ride. He wouldn't let me ride ponies. Um, you develop too many bad habits that way. And so I got this horse from uh, Mo Forbes up in KC, Wyoming, um, Bay Rum. And the first time I got on him, there was a handful of people there and he just bucked in a little circle. I got on and we loaded him right back up. I didn't move my feet. Got him back in the chutes. I rode him again. My dad, about four seconds, yelled spur. And I spurred and let go and fell off the back. Um, the horse stopped right there. My dad tripped the flank. I got back up on it. And then um, every Tuesday and Thursday, we would practice with the college. And then on Wednesdays, um, me and my dad would go out to the ranch and we'd buck that horse by ourselves. And I would put the flank up through the top rail and hang on to it. And then push the gate with my shoulder like that. And my dad was out there picking up and he would try to help open the gate too. And then I'd flank him and that horse would just follow my dad. And <laughs> that's an awesome story. I would you got any video of that, Casey? You know, uh I do somewhere. It's VHS. My mom uh, just so some of you uh millennials out there, that was actually a device back with eight <laughs> tracks and cassette tapes, which we might have to we'll do a pot on that later, everybody, just so we can bring you up to speed. No, I do have it somewhere. I got them all digitized to for my mom for a for a birthday party for a present. Oh, nice, nice. Was, but I don't, you know, I have a couple of videos of my ride, but we didn't we didn't break it down in video like nowadays. You know, my dad would say, "Okay, strong mark out, turn your toes out, keep your chin down," and he kept it real simple. Um, it didn't complicate it for me. Um, I rode that horse all the way until I was sixteen years old. Um, I didn't get on another horse. Um, when I was 16 years old, the news was coming to do, um, a little story on my dad and his college rodeo team. And I was begging him. I'm like, dad, you gotta let me get on Humpty Dumpty. The, the news is here. The camera's here. I've been riding from every jump. How many times Bay Rum? How many times do you think? Oh, I, I would imagine, oh, around 300. <laughs> I was yeah. I was I was, I was like eighty to a hundred, maybe. Yeah. I was guessing three hundred. That's got to be a record. They got to put that horse in the hall. I'm sure no. Bayram has passed on, but that horse should be in the hall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we actually uh, turned him out on the mountain when I was probably nineteen or twenty, and mountain lion got him. His knees were about that big, and he couldn't get around too fast. So, yeah. no Karen. But uh, did that did that did that horse ever yeah. give you a look when yeah did that horse ever give you a look when you showed up the one day like really shit this again are we gonna do this again? <laughs> uh, he was my buddy. I could lead. I can go catching with a halter, and he never ran from me. Like he honestly, uh, he he was a unique horse. He was cool. He was a pet, but and he just hopped like I. I mean, his front feet would get this high and his back feet might get maybe two feet and just dead easy. And then the, the camera crew came, the news came and doing the little story on my dad. I wanted to get on Humpty Dumpty. We had 15 or 20 practice horses around for the college kids. And the Humpty Dumpty was just a jump kicker. Dang nice. He'd sit down in the chute, um, fight the chute for a minute. But after you got him up, you had one shot to get out on him and, and really real quick. And, uh, 
I marked him out, brought my feet the first jump, set him the second time, and and I had that thought, that that thought that bucks everybody off. You think for a split second, and that son of a bitch aired me out <laughs> on my back, and my dad rides up. I can see it like it was yesterday. Rides up to me, and goes, <laughs> "That's what showboating gets you." Fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, cameras yesterday, but the way that I, the way that my dad, uh, you know, coached me along. It was the proper way to do it. Uh, Cole Reiner did it that way. Rocker Steiner did it that way. And real slow, the perfect horses and the, and the perfect practicing scenario. When uh, when I started getting on bigger horses and, and my dad would take me to schools with him, uh, rodeo clinics, um, I would get on, you know, 30 to 40 head a day. Any of the other kids that didn't want to get on, I was strapping it on. I would buck every horse in the back pens until there wasn't anything else to buck. Um, that you know, that way that I was brought up to to have no bad habits um, was a blessing. It really was. I learned really fast, um, not only how to be a, a good bareback rider, but how to win. Uh, my dad, um, from a very young age. You know, there's things that you can control and there's things that are out of your control that you can't change. Don't worry about that. Use You have a limited amount of energy every day and it's just like your gas tank. You know, you if you use it and you say a bad thing about somebody, well, that's still using fuel. That's still using energy. Use it in a, in a very strategic, positive way all day, every day. And it makes rodeoing easier. It makes bareback riding easier and it makes life easier. Simplify it. Don't complicate it. And that's when we went to the practice pens, that's what we did. It wasn't, oh, I need to get on that horse because I'm feeling this. Hey, can I get on that paint? It was bullshit. Run a man off for every one of them. I'm going to turn my toes, tuck my chin, ride every one of them exactly the same. And and you know, when we were doing that, my dad would always say little things like, you know, Casey, you, you ride horses a little bit different than everybody else. Don't worry about the draw. You can get horses to buck that no one else can. You're going to win on horses that no one else can um you'll have your days that you mess up the days that you'll get bucked off but just remember the basics and and you'll always be successful boy those words have paid off for you fuck yeah <laughs> yeah that that's i just want to take it back a little bit casey um and we see this in the bull riding but do you feel there's more times than not that these kids do strap it on something that's weighing over their head and sets them back way further rather than getting on Bay Rum 300 times and learning, you know, every time. Do you, do you find that's kind of a, um, that happens more so today? For sure. Um, two, you know, there's kids that uh, God reached down and, and touched them with a little extra talent and they got it figured out when they're 14, 15 years old. But that's very rare. And it uh, it's hard to watch. You know, these pony schools, I, I hate them. I don't, I don't like them. I won't be a part of them because these kids, it doesn't matter. You're, they're going to go to a junior rodeo. Um, they're going to get a buckle. Uh, you know, they're going to much it costs to go up and down the road. And what they learn is, is not valuable. You know, if you're wanting to be a professional rodeo cowboy, uh, make it count. You know, get everything at the beginning proper and then when it when it counts when you turn 18 and and obviously uh, you know the goal to be the best and, and be a world champion 
yourself up to when you do turn 18, you're ready. You don't develop all these bad habits on horses that, you, you know, you can't hardly spur. Um, a pony, your rigging doesn't fit them. Um, they're little shitheads. They're hard in the shoot. You cannot learn anything from the pony riding and bring it into the bareback riding. It, there's just, there's no crossover. And it's, it's what you learn experience in the shoots and you're more familiar and you can handle your, your, your nerves a little bit better. But other than that, my kids won't, they won't start riding full-size bucking horses until they're growing and strong. And, and when they start entering, it counts for something. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's cool. So back in those days when, when you're cruising around with your dad and, and he's, I know you said that he wasn't the world champion, but when you would go to the rodeos with him and he was the dog and there's Ty Murray and all these other guys that are around, what was that like? Do you remember being a kid and hanging around those guys and obviously a different era of rodeo too, a little wilder, a little not so uh, professional athletes as it is nowadays, although those guys obviously are were professional athletes, but there was a lot of different characters in the rodeo world. What were those days like for you? Well, basically what Tanner's up? trying to say is more Marlboros and more Copenhagen back then. Yeah. <laughs> The good, the good times, the good old days. <laughs> and it was just, you know, if you were tough, put a chew and go to the rodeo. I'll hang on. I can do it. You know, and sometimes those guys win. But, you know, there was a lot of guys that uh, had no business at being at the rodeo and they were there hanging on. But uh, back then, you know, I, I don't really, I remember being behind the shoots with my dad and him talking. Uh, but as far as like all the other amazing world champions that he was around, I remember him coming to the house and like, you know, having water fights with him or going to the lake or, or going a horse ride up on the mountain. And those guys, they were so much like my dad when they would speak, they would speak with confidence and, and all but, but humble. You know, I, I remember Michael Gaffney, Ty Murray, um, and, uh, who else was there that day? And well, anyways, we went on a horse ride and just the way that they were talking and, and the way that they, uh, made winning seem easy was uh one of the conversations that sticks out in, in my mind the most and and it's you know it boils down to never giving up uh discipline and and having discipline towards your goals um those guys that era of the greats back in the 80s and the 90s those guys they didn't have youtube to perfect their videos they didn't have a cell phone they could sit back and watch the video what they accomplished was was amazing and the way that they won um is like no other athlete like today and so to get to hang around those guys when i was a young kid it is it did take a place in in who i am today it, it really did that the the way that i watched them carry themselves as professional athletes and and rough stock cowboys coming to the house and um leaving and going rodeoing and going with my dad sometimes and going to the rodeo you they put their gear bag down and you could definitely as a young kid you could notice the, who the winners were yeah. and just you know it wasn't one word it wasn't one conversation but learning to be and having the opportunity to be around those guys and just absorbing it that at a very young age is uh was a true blessing it really was not a lot of kids have that opportunity and um it was a, a special time, not in my life, but in everyone's life that was 
the part of our family and, and his friends and his competitors that would stop at the house. It was, it was amazing. Uh, Clint Johnson. Yeah. Uh, he's a stud. So fun to be around. Oh, Larry Sandvik. I remember him coming to the house and just thinking, what the hell, who is this guy? And he, <laughs> him, like, holy shit, wild man. Who wears wild man on their shirt? Like <laughs> Utah County, a little bit sheltered, you know, I was like, my eyes were open right there. <laughs> oh, legend. So when you turned 18 and you talked about Bayram and, and kind of going about it a different way than a lot of guys, was it kind of like the Rocker Steiner where everybody knew who you were? You knew that they, this kid was going to be great. Was Were you the same 18 all of a sudden you hit and it was just lights out and you knew you were going to be a world champion? Everybody knew you were going to be a champ? Or what was that progress like and mindset-wise? Not cockiness, but confident enough that, that you felt like you were going to be as good as, as you've become today and six-time world champion and all these records. Was that known from you and from everybody around you from the from the get-go? Not from everybody around me, no. I didn't. Um, bareback riding wasn't easy for me. Um there was a my senior year in high school. I got bucked off in the short round. Funny story, but uh, you know that college rodeo. I rodeoed a, a two years on my permit, eighteen and nineteen years old. I remember when I was nineteen, I was out in the California rodeos, and I, I that was the first time I felt real pain. Like I was beat to shit. I couldn't couldn't ride a horse to save my ass, and uh, it was like. In 2008, so I would have been 20 years old, it was like a light, I mean, just turned on. I got my feet going, I set my feet, and I had it down. I, I finally could get it down. And from, you know, a teenager, 17, going through the high school rodeo and uh, college rodeo, I wasn't a standout. My goals were, and I believed in myself, and I would sign my name on everything. Like, I'm going to... I'm gonna, be signing everybody's autographs. So I'm going to get practicing right now. So I'd be sitting down at dinner and signing my name on a napkin. I'm Casey Field. I'm going to be a world champion. I'm Casey Field. I'm going to be a world champion. And uh, then after uh, after that one ride, Scarlet's uh, Scarlet's Web, I think, was that horse's name. I was 90 points. Um, never a broke day again. Uh, I was going to be rich, and uh, it was crazy. I bought a purple Lincoln Town car and hit the road. I, I made the NFR, went to 98 rodeos in 2008, um, traveled with Tilden Hooper. We met at the college finals and it was honestly, I was 20 years old before, um, the hype around Louis boy, Casey field is, is going to be successful in the bareback riding. Um, I actually went up to the novice, uh, in 2006, in Calgary and won that. And that was a, that was a big win for me. I actually, when I, when I wear a belt, when I ride, I, I wear my novice Calgary belt buckle. Cause I feel like I, I really learned how to compete at that rodeo. That was a huge stage. All the, all the big guys, Bobby Moat, Jason Havens, Ryan Gray, uh, all those guys were behind the shoots, you know, watch me get ready. Okay. This is Louie's boy, you know, yeah, let's see what he can do. And, uh, those, I guess it was from 06 to 08 that were the biggest learning curve um, that uh, has impacted the rest of my career. Will Lowe, I'm sure, and Will's still going. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think Sorry. Will spent any time at the ranchman's. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know Will Lowe spent some time at the ranchman's. 
Uh, yeah, little booth, his little own little area up there. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, Casey, so the world champion runs from then on. You you hit it and have had um, the most successful career, right? You have the record for the most world champions in the bareback run. Yep. Yeah. Right. So is that the first one? The biggest, the sixth one, the biggest. Was there one in between that that there was a tight race or something that stands out? They all the exact same importance. Uh, six world championships. I'm sure it's hard to remember all of them. So amazing, but is there something that stands out or, or one that's maybe more important than the other ones? Or um, the first one uh, comes to mind. The year that I had, had the records that I broke. Uh, that that was an amazing year, and to win my first world title in the way that I did it um was a statement and it was uh it was icing on the cake it just it built my confidence even more that my goals that i have written down since i was 13 are achievable and this is this is the beginning of it um but the one that means the most and sticks out the most was my fifth world title i won it down in uh texas during covid the nfr was uh down in dallas uh, it was a weird year to rodeo. It was hard. Um, it was new to everybody. So everybody kind of had to rodeo different than they were used to. Um, and then to ha- I had a rewrite in the 10th round, and I drew Junior Bonner. Uh, um, I had to win the round to, to be the world champion. And that from when I lost my dad until that moment um, – there was just some things that happened in life that I didn't have control of that were, was, uh, it was dictating how I, how I conducted every day of my life. Um, I didn't like it. There was things that, uh, with business with power pro, my nutritional company at home that, um, I didn't agree with my partners on, or, um, I felt like that we should have been making more money. There, there was, there's always something going on and then starting a family with my three kids, um, you know, balancing rodeo and family. And that's my number, my number one goal is to be a great father and a great husband. That's number one. I, I try to get home every Monday and Tuesday, no matter what, and be there for my family. And to, to go through COVID, um, all the bullshit that was going on and to go to Texas, to NFR that where no one else was or familiar with. And, to ride the horses that I did, um, X nine explosive skies in the third round. I was 90 points on that horse. And then to draw junior Bonner for my re-ride because Richmond champion broke his neck or hurt his neck and, and couldn't ride in the 10th round was, uh, it was all meant to be. There was, God had a plan for me. And, uh, I felt my dad for the first time on the back of the shoots, like his presence, um, whisper in my ear, you got this. You know, this is your time. Capitalize on it. That was the very first time that I really, you know, felt his presence. And uh, that win that night, uh, the my family that was there, that was a that was a big win. That was, was a special win for me. And then uh, to come home from Texas, they had a little welcoming parade for me. That you know, it was supposed to be little. Um, it was supposed to be. The next day after I got home and I was sitting in an Epsom salt bath and I don't take baths. I think it's for sissies. And <laughs> here comes except, that, except that one time. 
the SWAT team comes in and my wife's like, Hey, the SWAT team's here. What'd you do? And kind of have a little bit of a record with the cops, I guess you could say from my dark days. And, uh, so I was a little bit nervous getting out of the bath as fast as I can sore as hell and, uh, walk outside in my robe and there was um, my, miles and miles of cars lined up to drive by and wave and uh to feel that support to feel that love is uh it's a humbling feeling man it's uh it's a big win and it's in its own way and and looking back writing my goals down and and wanting to be a world champion wanting to be a winner those little things um you know, from people cheering for you, you're the gate man that I've known since I was four years old. Cause he was pulling gates at the NFR for my dad. He's telling me, you know, Hey, this is your moment. Spur his head off. You know, this is your world championship. Those little friendships, those little details in my, in my fifth world title, uh, mean something, you know, when I won my first four world titles, it was just, I'm, I'm the man I'm no one's, I'm in my own world. I'm winning. No one can touch me. And then to come four years later and, and win it a fifth time and notice the little things that uh, mean more and last way longer than any ride. And and that's what made that fifth world title so dang unique. Now, Casey, was that after the the brain injury as well, the fifth world title? Yeah. Yep. So I, uh, in uh, 2018, I got, I hit my head on the horse's hip, the killer bee. She's a bitch. Um, <laughs> you have no history with killer bee. Yeah. Hit my head on her hip, went numb. Yeah. I was trying to double grab my, my arms and legs were numb. Pretty good stinger. Uh, met my rigging on my face, broke my eye socket, my cheekbone, crushed my nasal cavities, broke my upper jaw, my lower jaw and cracked. And then I hit the ground and then she kicked me on top of the head and cracked my skull and had a brain bleed. Um, she I remember her. She is a yeah. She got me good, man. <laughs> I remember laying in the dirt and sucking up red dirt, and then again carried out of the arena. And then I talked him into letting me off the stretcher. Um, I was I was fine. Um, I stood up and I felt my head. I had a big huge knot on my head, and I started getting dizzy. Started throwing up, and I've had a concussion before, but this was a little. It, it was a little bit more than a concussion. It felt like, and so I. Went over to the sports medicine, uh, hanging onto the fence. Uh, I walked over there and I'm like, hey, Sean Rady, you, you got to look at me, man. I, I'm not doing very good. And he felt my head. He's like, oh, you got a brain bleed. Get back down on the stretcher. You're going to die. Like, you have, have no time. Get in the ambulance. Hey, starts yelling. Get in the ambulance. Strap me down. And as soon as they strapped me down, I started throwing up like crazy. And then I lost my, my vision. I went blind. Um I remember getting to the hospital and uh, I couldn't, I could see like lights, but I couldn't make out a person. And that was a, I wasn't afraid to die. I'm still not afraid to die, but going blind was scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was, that was a crappy feeling. And, and at this time I was starting power pro and formulating CBD. And I, so I went to the hospital, Sid Steiner and rocker were there with me stayed with me all night um in debt for them to them guys for life and my wife got there the next morning uh puked all night i didn't stop puking for 14 hours uh, my wife got there um she gave me some cbd um some power pro cbd and i instantly went to sleep um slept for 
long time. I don't even know if it was 10, 12, 14 hours. Woke up feeling great. Started taking everything off. Went and showered on my own. The doctor comes back in freaking out. Hey, you got to lay down. You can't be doing this. Your brain is still swollen. You know, we got to run in. You got to do another scan right now. You can't be doing this. So they run me in there, do another scan. Hey, the swelling is gone off your brain. We were, you were supposed to be here for 10 days. Um, tomorrow morning after you rest, we're going to take another scan of your brain. And if the swelling's gone, we'll let you go the next day. And so I was only there for four days and I credit a lot of my healing um, and where I am today because um, of my CBD, my Power Pro CBD, the, the, the inflammation fighters in it uh, allowed my brain to rest and uh, help fight the inflammation, the swelling in my brain. Then I, I, I went home from there. My brother flew down and drove me home. I had my truck and camper. Uh, me and Shad, my brother, we have a really uh, close relationship and uh, that drive home was, um, you know, it's, uh, it was pretty amazing for our relationship and the things that we were able to talk about stuck in the truck without our kids. He's got five kids. I got three kids and we haven't had, uh, an intimate moment like that since my dad had passed. And so the brain injury, my company power pro, the confidence for, that I have in my product after my brain injury the conversation that I had with my brother, um, it made 2019 so much easier. I was so much more confident. Um, and that brain injury happened for a reason. It happened. It's just like getting bucked off. Um, I compare life just like riding bucking horses. And when you get bucked off, um, you know, you got to get back up on. You, you got to open the gate. You got to nod your head bigger than ever and, and mark them out strong every single day that you nod your head. And, and, and that's that, that, that right there, that little stretch is why I won my kid. Yeah. That's what I was going to wonder, ask you, right? Like when you go through stuff like that and there was talks that you might not ever ride again. And, and, uh, so to, to overcome all that stuff and then with losing your dad and the emotions that go away with it and being hurt. And I, I know from personal experience, right. Sometimes you turn on, on the sport, right. When you lose somebody in it or something happens to you like that and you get mad at the sport and then you have to overcome that and realize you know it's not the sport's fault it's what it's your way of looking at it what you're doing so is that why that fifth one was so important through all the stuff that you had to go through maybe thinking that you might not be able to do it again coming back and showing the world who you really are you know tilden called me when i got home it had been about 10 days and i would when i got home from that injury i would sleep for 20 hours a day and it wasn't an enough if i walked 50 yards i was exhausted and tilden called and he's like hey uh i don't mean to to put any pressure on you or anything but like uh do i need to find a new traveling partner <laughs> i don't want to put any pressure on you but i'm going to <laughs> yeah. so uh uh it never i never thought in, in my own opinion, I never thought I would be done riding after that brain injury. I had never crossed my mind. I never had that conversation with my wife or my kids. Um, but that the learning and, and the experience um, that I went through and my family um, is, you know, a big motivator for me. And, and the way that they uh, took care of me through one of my injuries and I have several of them is uh, 
you know, I, I owe my life to them. And so every opportunity that I can go and ride is now, now different. It, it means more. Uh, um, it's, uh, it's a, it's an opportunity that uh, you won't ever get again. And so you have to capitalize on it every time you nod your head. Yeah. Speaking of capitalizing, um, you're an area athlete and, you know, this is my jam, marketing, endorsements, all that stuff. The coolest event I have ever seen in the history of Western sports is you in the salt flats on a horse called two buck chuck. Now let's, let's, yeah. we're going to hand it over to you here. Um, any of the people that have not seen this go to YouTube and, and YouTube Casey on, uh, on two buck chuck it's an amazing unbroken right, unbroken, right? it's part of the yeah, documentary it's... yep yep well thanks jason that was uh that was a fun day i was actually uh we're i drive across the salt flats out to reno it seems like we go across i-80 15 times a year and there's all these cool stories and records about things happening in my home my home state of utah on the salt flats and i got to thinking i'm like besides marble man I don't think anything Western's ever been done out there. And, uh, and then I, we were driving and I got home and, and laid down and was still thinking about it. And, and I had a dream of riding Virgil across the salt flats. And I was like, holy shit, I got to make this happen. And, and this is, you know, this was after, uh, you know, I won four world titles and uh, learned about a lot about who I am and, and dreaming is why I'm a world champion. I, I, to write down a world championship goal, I've had to dream it somewhere. And so I was like, okay, I've, I've got to put this down on paper. I need to make this happen. Um, Virgil wasn't available. I called Hank Franzen's and I wanted a white horse. And so they had that two buck Chuck. who's a paint. Um, he's a stud fits the part. He's a, he's a photogenic horse. Um, it was just going to be a social media post. Um, I hired a couple of camera guys and, started talking they're like no this is more than just a, a post you could really blow this up and so we kind of got a little narrative going and what we wanted to do um called Ariat and was like hey this is our plan um uh, we'll sell you this when it's done um and you can have the rights for a year um but it, this is my way this is how it's happening and so i remember i've been talking about it for about six months and we flew out in a little plane out to the salt flats a week prior and there was still a couple inches of water and i was like man guys this is we're on standby i don't know if we're going to be able to do it um and then three days before two buck chuck was supposed to get there we flew back down there and it was it was a little bit muddy and i was like okay this is this will be perfect and uh them guys showed up with the horse and pulled into my house and i was like son of a bitch <laughs> there's no going back now this is all thought <laughs> We got to do it now. <laughs> and so they unloaded that horse and Rodrigo, the little cameraman, he's laying on his belly at the end of the alley, probably a hundred yards. And they unload that horse and John friends. And he's yelling, Hey Rod, he just come off the mares. And he, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Big deal. A little Chilean guy from LA didn't know a whole lot about horses. And man, that stud running up the fence so damn fast was biting. It. He was mind blown. He's, Fuck, bro! Are you are you really gonna do this? You're gonna <laughs> so fast. nuts, man. 
Like, so when you when you great. unloaded the horse Casey and got him in, and then did you guys obviously you took down all the panels, so it was just the buck and shoot sitting there. Is that how it worked? Uh uh-uh. uh. So that was at the house, and then the next oh, okay. morning we loaded Sorry. up. Okay. Yeah, we loaded up and went out there, and I took one buck and shoot and two panels, and so we but we backed the trailer up to the buck and shoot and unloaded him right into the buck and shoot, and he had a barn buddy, uh, trailer buddy. They always haul that stud with a buddy. And, uh, the, the pickup man come out there, uh, it was a, he, I have a video. It wasn't, it's not on my unbroken video, flipping out in the shoot and he turned sideways and was biting Hank, had Hank by the arm and Hank's probably two fifty probably. And was whipping him around like a rag doll. And it took his tricep from the top and from the bottom and just put it into a tennis ball right there. And he turned sideways and was, I was looking right at the, flank man and hank right there and, and uh he fell like that and on the shoot gate and broke my arm and so i, I was having hell while i was fighting the shoot i couldn't get my hand out and they, he got he went back down i got my hand out and i was like all right guys my hand i'm pretty sure it's broke it's swelling up we got to do this right now or i'm not going to be able to do it and so i heard and did it uh i didn't feel the pain at all when i in in my ride got way out there the pickup men come and got me and those are some of my favorite pictures is when when we're way out in the middle of nowhere and you can see the lens is zoomed in but we're far away and and then uh so that the pickup man john jumped on that buddy horse a barn buddy horse and went out there and tried roping him missed and as soon as he got off that horse come right to his buddy and we didn't even use the shoot and just loaded both from back in the trailer and off we went who'd Did you dress so, to be your pickup man yeah i was gonna say who'd you pick <laughs> So uh, a childhood friend of mine that grew up about a half a mile down the road from me, his name's Alex Christofferson, and and he would come and help me when I was young, and he would pick up. Uh, he's a good hand, and so it was, it was uh, pretty special to have him there. And then um, one of my dad's very best friends, Whit Hill, and I, I have some business with him too nowadays. Um, he actually rode my dad's last project horse and so the bay horse that i get off on was my dad's last pickup horse um so there's some special things that are hidden in there that not a lot of people know about um but it was i really i wasn't too worried about that i was kind of wanting to see how far we could get out there and <laughs> how fast that some bitch could get going <laughs> well and so the any of our listeners that haven't seen this video there's no there's just one buck and shoot and yeah, we'll put it up. Acres, yeah, acres. We'll it's it it's amazing. Um, so when you're looking out there, Casey, you're obviously looking at your your pickup man, your buddies. Like my guess is, not even a split second did it cross your mind. Like there, there's no fence. It was just you were in the moment, and this is going to be the coolest shit I've ever done in my life. Um, you know, I knew it was going to be cool. Um obviously i was really excited about it i was motivated to do it but the way that it all turned out the pictures that have, have been developed from that and the marketing that has been around that unbroken picture um is is pretty remarkable and, it, and it's uh it's still performing really well and it, it still surprises me i didn't think that uh you know a some kid from utah and a paint horse would have such an impact on the industry but it's uh I'm very proud of that. It was a, it was a big win for me to, to dream it, to write it down on paper and to make it happen was a, a, a hell of an accomplishment in my, 
accolades of things I've done in my career. Yeah, it's yeah, it's huge. PBR it's bucking sick. bulls on that air aircraft carrier and Casey Field on the salt bucket. Cool. Yeah, we'll share it. <laughs> that those are the two most cool. iconic things and marketing stunts i've ever seen in my lifetime scott burn spirit with saskatchewan as well <laughs> i was there for well, that yeah we can't forget about that Casey, you talk about when you had your your brain injury and you and you and your brother drove home and it was really life-changing for you just the conversation that that you guys had flash forward a few years were you able to do that same thing for him when his accident occurred um so it happened during covid so i couldn't even go in the hospital and see him so Chad, if you're not familiar, is my older brother. He uh, is a very uh, accomplished pilot. Um, he and uh, there were six of them in the plane. We're up above a big mountain range in Utah. And six hours out of his annual service on his plane, the throttle cable broke and they lost all power. Um, it's on, on YouTube, too. They have there's uh, twin boys in the back that videoed the whole thing. Um he, he set it down pretty gentle, but he broke his back and uh, hurt it. it. He damaged his spinal cord. Um, he's He can get around okay, but he's they pronounce him paralyzed from the waist down. You'll never walk again. He said, bullshit, I'm going to be walking out of here. Um, he ended up walking out with a walker. He had a walker for maybe a couple months. Um, he, he wears braces every once in a while. He's back to roping. Um, he's an amazing, amazing person from when we were kids, he was always the badass. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wasn't able to be there as much as I wanted to be because of COVID restrictions, but our relationship from his injury has really, uh, brought us a lot closer. Um, it's, he's in a lot of pain all the time. And so, um, he's always been a, a big supporter of me, a big motivator. And so when I'm, when I, it's, you know, we, we talk three or four times every day. We have a war bonnet cowboy hat company together. Um, but, but, you know, it, it's, uh, I hate to see it. It's, it's heartbreaking for me to see him in pain, um, not do the things that he once was able to do, but, you know, having his support, having his love, um, it it's, it hasn't made it easier for me, but it's another thing that motivates me. It's another it's another thing in my little tricks, I guess you could say, bag of tricks that uh, it helps me get better when I when I when I feel pain and I'm sore, whether it be in the gym or you know getting ready for the, the short round here at Houston. Um, I've been banged up a little bit this this winter, but if I think about my brother Shadrach and what he's overcame and the pain that he deals with uh makes my shit a lot easier yeah yeah i push pain to the side and you pussy your brother has it way rougher than you and, and you're bitching because your elbow's sore bitching because you sat on a nut like come on quit being a pussy let's man up here and uh you know that ride home the things that we were talking about um with our families and life what we wanted out of life and where we see ourselves in life uh, when i'm done rodeoing and, and then you know we were talking about goals for rodeo and I hadn't talked to anybody about my goals other than my wife about rodeo since my dad passed. And so those conversations, um, that we had and, and now where he's at in life 
it's like the the role has flipped and it's uh it's been extremely fun for me it's a challenge every day um my family we never dealt with depression we never dealt with uh um you know sicknesses or heartache you know and so learning to be sensitive of depression because it is a real thing um I see it with my brother and he speaks about it and, and, and he's changed a lot of people's lives, uh, being able to speak about depression and, and, and being open about it and being a real man and saying, you know, this is what's hard. This is the things I cry about. These are the things that I don't like about myself. Um, and so, you know, the role that my brother has in who I am and, and not just as a rodeo cowboy, but as a person and a human being, and a lot of that comes from my brother's and I's relationship and, and my sister too. My sister is seriously an angel. I don't think she's ever said the word shit. Uh, she would go and repent to the Bishop if she said, damn it, you know, and, and uh, you know, for, so coming up that way with no depression and, and no bad things ever happening in our life, it's been a, a big learning curve for, for Shad and myself, but it's, it's, he's getting better. He's seeing signs, you know, he's feeling a little sensation in his big toe and getting better. And so one thing about the fields is, you know, tomorrow will be better and, and no one's going to outwork us. Well, and make sure you apologize to your sister for Scott and I on Tanner's behavior on most of these podcasts, please, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> we try our best. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, her little brother's kind of shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. Uh, I appreciate you going into that, though. And, and I think, you know, doing all the research on you and everything that, that I've, you know, we've done leading up to this interview is the world titles is one thing, but the stuff that you've overcame and, and the situations that you've had to, to deal with, right? And, and then to keep pushing forward and then not just to, not just to get by after those things happen to you, but then to, to get to that next level and keep growing and keep getting better and better is, it's pretty amazing to see. And it's cool for young guys and everybody that might be, like you say, feeling sorry for themselves for some sort of situation. And then you look at the bigger picture and, and uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad shit out there. So take each day and live each day to the fullest, right? It could be taken away from you very fast. So appreciate you. You go in there with us, but um, with those championships that I talked about, and we've talked about it with, some guys on this podcast that have won um, maybe not six world championships, but world championships, they fulfilled the goals that they've had and, and Cowboy Throne put it on here. Best was it's hard to be hungry when you're already full, right? Once you've already won everything that you want to win. So for you, what is it that that's keeping you going? You've, you've set the records, you've won all these world championships. You've won every rodeo other than Cheyenne. What keeps yes. you going and keeps you pushing forward to, to do this? Um, my goals from, uh, when I was 13 years old, I put, I want to be 35 years old, retired with seven world titles. Um, and why seven? Um, uh, so in the history of bareback riding, Joe Alexander, Bruce Ford have five world championships. Uh, Joe Alexander was the very best bareback rider to ever live. And the year that Chris Ledoux and Jack Ward won the world championships, I think it was 74 and 75. It was determined, the world championship was determined off of the NFR average. And uh, th both those years, Joe Alexander had more money won than both of them after the NFR, but he, they didn't declare him the world champion. Um, 
So in my opinion, Joe Alexander uh, has the most world titles. He should have seven world titles, and that's I wanted to beat his his record. I I on paper I am the one that holds the most, but uh, in my mind and people uh, that know the sport know that Joe Alexander was a seven-time world champion and, and that he was the greatest of all time. And uh, when I set out to be the best bareback rider, it is to be the very best of all time. And uh, I started telling myself that at a very young age. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how or why I started at such a young age, believing that I could win seven world titles. Um the upbringing, my mom, my dad being positive people, I believe, um, surrounding myself with champions all the way through. But that is what keeps me going. That's what motivates me. You know, the American Houston, these are awesome wins. And don't get me wrong, it, it doesn't get old. But it's not. It's not. These these little wins aren't fulfilling my ultimate goals. They're not, it's not fulfilling um, what I wanted to accomplish when I set out the, to do this when I was 13. Bam! There it is. Fucking eight. Can't wait. We'll be cheering you on. That's for sure. Yeah, Seven yeah. titles. Hundred percent. Uh, Scott has our infamous question for the pod. Well, Casey, uh, I was fortunate enough to to walk in the same arenas that you rode in and, and hang out with you a little bit over the years. And I just got to say, there's one particular time at Calgary. We didn't really know each other real good. You walked in the arena and you're like, "Hey, Scott, how's it going?" And you always had that smile on your face. You always made people feel special and uh, part of the game. And I, I appreciate that about you and how you carry yourself and uh, you're a true champion. And, and it's been an honor to kind of be around you as, as you've gone through this journey. So um, thank you very we, much. We, we are the, uh, the NFP podcast and, and you know kind of what it stands for and what we take it for, but what's your take on NFP? Uh, no fucking pussies, man. That, <laughs> I love it. That is, I, that's the, that's one of the coolest names for a podcast ever. And, uh, man, I don't have, I don't, I, I try to surround myself with, with winners and, uh, I don't have time to be around pussies. I don't <laughs> want to be around. I have to say, I don't agree with it. Um, you know, just like what your guys' podcast is about is embracing champions and, and, whether it be rodeo or whatever the discipline be is, you guys are embracing that, and you don't have time for pussies. You you don't want to bullshit a, a pussy for an hour and then put that up on here. So, uh, you know, I I I don't like even like in the bareback riding. Uh, most bareback riders are badass tough guys, but if a guy gets in there and he's he hawing around in the shoot, like deciding if he wants to nod or not, it's like you pussy. I'm let open the gate. <laughs> asshole this guy. Like, <laughs> I don't I'll get fired up about pussy. I don't waste uh. a freaking good human. <laughs> no, okay, Amen. so so yeah, that that Amen. pretty much puts it into perspective for myself. But is there is there times where as a veteran bareback rider, six-time world champion, you'll get back in the dressing room and call a pussy out in the dressing room? 
I like I don't like confrontations. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I had for you was the locker room dynamic. I like that, Scott, that you said that because there is, you know, we got Rocker Steiner, we got you and Tim O'Connell and, and uh Richmond champion Tilden in there, and Tilden's always talking like there's gotta be some confrontation. You guys being the elder statesman of it, what is that room like? Well, I Tilden's uh a great traveling partner because I don't say much and he says a shit ton. So, <laughs> but but in the locker, oh, it, if there's a kid and he's asking for advice or whatever, or, or even an older guy, if they're asking for advice, and there was a guy uh, a couple weeks ago, he's like, no, I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm like, well, sounds like you got your first stinger and you're just being a pussy, buddy. Uh, you know, <laughs> toughen up eight seconds. You can adrenaline will take over you're not gonna feel it man and and uh but there but in the rodeo world um pussies don't last you know that there there there's not very many of them around there's uh it's a humbling sport and that being said people getting bucked off and hammered it's uh you don't you don't have time to whine you don't have time to be a pansy ass you, you won't you won't win you never see winners complaining or pussies and it, there's just not very many of them in our sport and, and, and that's what makes it that's what makes it great and what makes the rest of the world all woke as hell yeah. <laughs> right there man you know that but that's i want to say like tilden hooper that guy is awesome i love that guy has the same like you two, no wonder you travel together. Cause there's a guy that walks in with a smile on his face, acknowledges you, you know, you can sit and bullshit with him. There's no scheming or, you know, he's just a stand up good guy. And I can't imagine the fun you guys have had going <laughs> down the road. And I'm just sorry. I, I'm just sorry. I wasn't part of it. <laughs> well, you heard, you heard me uh, refer to my dark days and, and till was a big proponent in all of that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but we all grow up uh, eventually. 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 I'm in the family and, uh, you know, sometimes I, uh, like this morning, maybe kind of had to remember I'm a little older than I used to be. Yeah. I hear you. Cause like nowadays you have like two beer, you may as well drink fucking 24 cause you're going to have a headache that day. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, can't handle it near as well either. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Well, this has been uh, this has been wicked. There was one more thing that I wanted to uh, to pump for you. I know that you got a YouTube channel now. So, what can people expect when they when they follow along on there, as well as your social media? Because you're always a guy that's you know you're posting the selfie videos, talking about where you're going. You're really, you're you know promoting your own brands, your sponsors' brands, all that sort of stuff. You're a great guy for for young guys to follow along with and watch and see what you do with your social medias and your YouTube channels. But what's the plan with the YouTube channel? What are you going to kind of show everybody there? You know, so my YouTube channel is called Outside the Arena, and just like this podcast, I, I want people to get to know me outside the arena. They see me as a fierce competitor and a bareback rider, but you know, I'm a, a kind and loving guy when I'm home. I, I have a lot of fun with my kids. Um, I snowmobile a lot. I hunt a lot. And those are things that, uh, you know, the old cowboy hat and boots have provided me to be able to go and do and and, and have some of the neatest experiences and see the coolest places. And, and I want to share that with people. And uh, my YouTube channel, it's growing and, and it's 
the reason I'm doing it. I, I, I want people like, like Jason said, there's a lot of woke people out there that, uh, are pussies. And I want to, I want to share to people that life's too short to, to be a pansy ass not jump on every opportunity. And, and, um, I appreciate what you said about my social media that I'm good at it. Cause I struggle with it. I, I feel like, um, an arrogant asshole when I'm sitting there videoing myself and talking to my fans, but I'm learning, I'm getting better. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a, as a marketing tool, it's very powerful. Um, in, in the beginning of my career, I wanted sponsors. Um, but for a company to, uh, sponsor a young kid, where do they see their return on the investment? And so, um, I've taken notice to that and uh, maybe it was getting hit in the head, knock some screws loose or tighten them up one way or the other, but grow <laughs> and more bonnet own companies. Um, I don't, I love representing Polaris area to uh, pre for these companies that are, you know, very well known in the sport of rodeo, but I don't want to wear somebody else's patch and, and give them all this publicity when I'm fully capable of having my own company. And so, um, power pro my own nutritional company and then war bonnet cowboy hats as my me and my brother and and i wear those patches proudly and and uh social media and youtube are are you know a very powerful tool for those companies and and uh, five years ago i didn't understand it um i might be a little behind times on the social media but i am catching up i am learning how powerful they are for my own companies and and now uh when i go talk to uh, Ariad or I talked to bucked up. I, I, I have, uh, a lot of weapons in, in my resume to, to show them that their return on their investment is, is a, I am a valuable asset to their brand. Um, Thank you. I, I got a question quickly here. Power pro. Um, can we get it? Can, I'm very interested in it. Actually, I'm going to, uh, maybe give you a phone call and we'll chat more about it, but can we get it up here in Canada or how do we go about getting it anywhere in North America really, or the world? Uh, online right now, we do have some distribution around Utah, Wyoming, Idaho, Nevada. Um, but our online sales, just go to powerpro.com. Um, we have three different CBD uh, tinctures, some oils that are oral, and then we have a cooling and a warming lotion. They're topicals. Our warming lotion is very popular in the rodeo world. Um, pretty much everybody's gear bag. If you go snoop around, you'll find a bottle of Power Pro, and it's a, it's a, it's a very fun business. We're the only company in the world right now that uh, owns our crops all the way to the bottle. We don't have a middleman. Um, it's a. I have great partners that have mentored me along the way. Um, you know. All I've ever known is is riding bucking horses, and uh, so it, it it has been a learning curve for me with these businesses and and learning how to operate them and and what actually goes into it. And so uh, it's been fun. Power Pro, you can we it's about a 50-50 chance we get it to Canada. Our customers that are ordering it, sometimes they stop stop it at customs. Sometimes they let it slide. Uh, they're they're strickening up all the time. It's tougher. Um, like Australia, they just shut down. We can't ship product to Australia anymore. And it's, uh, it's crazy because the product works It and the government, uh, doesn't like it. Well, <laughs> well, we'll just pick some up in Cheyenne when we come to watch you win your buckle. Yeah. Celebrate Perfect. NFE style. 
Yeah. We'll just I'm show more, up. I'm, I'm we'll just little, show up uh, with some keystone lights. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, we'll be the ones in the stands showing beer cans to the judges if they don't go your way. Uh I'm more interested in the in the, the war bonnet hats because I may or may not have overdid it last weekend and lost my felt hat. So. <laughs> I might be hitting you up for a new felt. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Casey, I'm here to tell you that is the truth. And overdoing it is understand is an understatement. Oh, easy, easy. <laughs> uh, in our bonnet hat, when my dad was dying, um, there was a man that come to the house that uh, is a very successful businessman. He's sold a couple businesses for a couple hundred million dollars. And he has this uh, persona like he uh, his wealth can take care of anything. And he come in and he respect my dad. Probably probably the only guy that uh, he respected was my dad. And he come in and he said, Louie, what do you need? You know, I can pay off whatever you need. Uh, uh, I can take care of your family. And he looked at him and he could hardly talk. Uh, and he, he looked at him and he said, you don't need to do anything. Just do what's right. And, and so in every one of our hats, if you can see it right here, it says live like Louie, just do what's right. And so, oh, nice. yeah, got a little taste of Louie in our, in our war bonnet brand. So it's, it's fun. And like me and Shad now doing business together, it kicks ass. <laughs> it's fun. Oh, good for you guys. Yeah. What I've learned about business too is uh, it's no different than rodeo. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Just yeah. go shake, you know, know your product. You got to know your hat or your whatever your your product is. You need to be the expert at it. But when it comes to business, it's, hey, how you doing? You want to do work? Yeah. All right. Send me the product. Okay. Send me your money. It's simple. It's people are, uh, it's, it's weird to see people are, you know, oh, you own a business. It's like, yeah, you can own one too, you know, and, and anybody can start their own company. And, and I, I strongly suggest all these kids to, you know, put their own brand on their shirt and promote their own brand or their own company. It's, mm -hmm. it will way beyond your career ever will. Love it. So Casey, coming from a guy that's been around rodeo, my, my whole life, I've never really paid attention overly to the other, um, to the other aspects of the sport or the other events. I love them. I love watching them. I love when you guys, when you do it or Zeke or Stetson rides Bronx and it looks so good. But um, when you're riding a bareback horse, is the goal just to spur it as hard as you can, or is there different horses that you have to ride differently? What's the actual fundamentals when it comes to spurring a bareback horse? Um, there is some horses like killer B that I spur as hard as I freaking can. Yeah. Uh, X nine explosives guys. He likes it. But you have to have horsemanship in the rareback riding. Um, one reason I credit to, or one, uh, how would I properly say that? One of the reasons I feel like I'm a, a little a pretty good at bareback riding, humbly saying, is uh, I have horsemanship. I, I ride young horses at home. I spend a lot of time in the saddle. Um, I, I, I really feel that uh, I can help horses buck. Um, sometimes, you know, you, you might want to, when you set your foot, you might want to hit them harder, um, and really drag up their neck and really pick them up. And there's sometimes that you don't really want to hit them very hard, but you want to drag really hard. Or there's times that you just want to tickle them along the way. And, and usually about the second or third jump, you can kind of feel and, and dictate the power that you're going to have with your feet. And you don't have time to look at that bareback riding manual during that eight seconds. Yeah. <laughs> 
That yeah, exactly. 101. You're not watching that, the screen at Calgary? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Jason, I don't, from what I've heard, no one reads out of your manual when it comes to bareback riding, do they? No, no. Davy Shield tried. He really did try, but it just did not work out. Is that where Davy learned to turn turn his toes out? Yeah, I taught him that, Casey. <laughs> I did. I taught him that. I don't like to take a lot of credit for it because um, that's really not my style. I kind of keep a low profile, but yeah, yeah, I drove I drove that into his uh, head. Yeah, <laughs> he learned a lot uh, from it. Good. Yeah, Casey, man, this has been a ton of fun, and we really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's right in the the heat of the battle down there in Houston, so good luck. Uh, the rest of Houston, and uh, we'll get to see you in Calgary and hopefully a few more times this summer. But like I said, appreciate you coming on this podcast, the mindset, what you've done, stuff you've overcame. It's it's a, a story that needs to be told, so we really appreciate you joining the NFP podcast. Hey, thank you, and, and really uh, ask good questions. It was a fun podcast to be involved with. Next time, uh, let's do it again. Let's get Mr. Hooper and I together. It, it would be uh, – not so serious and probably some damn good laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> Deal. That sounds good. Because I got to go to the tilted when he, uh, when he put his all of his clothes in the garbage bags outside of my camper at Calgary one year. And then I threw all the garbage out. And then he had a panic <laughs> attack because his fucking passport and all his clothes were in those garbage bags. I'm like, dude. <laughs> hey, you know what? Okay, here's what I suggest. Um, I, I suggest that Calgary this year, we go over and we'll have a, we'll, we'll do a live one. Oh, we'll yeah. Cut one. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. And believe it or not, Till kicks ass on the podcast. He's a he's a people's person, man. Will he oh, bring yeah. a bottle of Crown? <laughs> not for me, but maybe for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect. Yeah, no, we love that guy. We'll plan for that then. We'll try, try to do a couple live ones there at Calgary. That'd be fun. So, Casey, once again, thank you for joining the NFP podcast. I said a twist for me, baby. Hit a rip for me, baby. Another shot, get lit for me, baby. Ooh, it's a quarter to two. What you wanna do? Cocaine, country dancing to you. I think a bit of cocaine, country dancing will do. Another shot, get lit for your baby. Oh, it's a quarter to four. Do we have any more? Cocaine, for you. Cocaine,